G'day team, welcome to the Two Towers podcast, a Middle Earth strategy battle game podcast. I'm Geordie. And I'm Albert. And on today's podcast, we are heading up to Melbourne to mm-hmm. a fantastic tournament run by David Leonard. Uh, Fixed two for two now. Two for two. Axe and Sword is the mm. name of this. Mm. Or is it Axe or Sword? I believe it's Axe or Sword, but I'm happy to meet the middle. Axe and or Sword. Let's and go. Or sword. <laughs> you get your choice. Your choice. Um, so it's 500 points. Uh, one day, three rounds. Uh, I believe that there are more than 20. Yeah, it, I think it's got a, a... looks like it's going to be a decent turnout. Yeah. Um, so, bigger than the past couple of ones that um, we've covered. Actually, no, it isn't. Well, it's not bigger than Sill. Not Come bigger on. than Sill. Are you kidding? And the one before Sill was... <laughs> Scratch that. Scratch that. But keep it in the podcast so that people know that you've stopped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. You wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so, th- there is quite a bit going on, though, in terms of special rules and theme for the day as well, because it is technically a team-based tournament Yeah. As well. Good versus evil. Good versus evil, fighting over the Anduin plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the space between Minas Morgul and Minas Tirith? Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, it's, a- it's battle for Asgiliath. Um, but either side of the banks also may come into play mm. depending on how well one team fares. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Geordie, who are you playing for? Well, evil, of course. And so I decided to, um, for, for the sake of balance, uh, <laughs> join the shiny boys um, yeah. and, and play for, for the, the good team so that uh, dear listener, you have a balanced view of mm. Um, mm. what happens at the tournament. So it is a team-based tournament. Uh, I'm not entirely certain how the kind of team mechanics are going to work, um, but I assume that they will be based around like the amount of wins that each team gets determines. Yeah, I think the so. Push and pull. So David had flashed this at. Um, at Sill. So I actually have a, a bit of insight here. So he, he literally had, he had like a bunch of pieces of paper together with the planes of Anduin and, yeah, yeah. and there was like this blue and blue and red bar. Yeah. And very cleverly, you know, he'd, he'd worked it so that he can move, ship that bar uh, backwards and forwards. Yeah, nice. So I think it's like a, a points thing. Okay. Now, I don't know if it's like battle points yeah, or yeah, just yeah. like a win is a point or whatever, yeah, 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 but okay. like okay. he's got, yeah, okay. he's got that going on. So yeah, cool, cool. I look, I look forward to, to seeing that on the day. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, but there's also the ability to upgrade heroes as well. Well, I was going to say, there's two separate ways to upgrade a hero, because I think I know what you're talking about, but I think we should also start with the fact that everyone at this tournament is going to have an artifact of unimaginable power. <laughs> Just to kick it off. This is truly, like, uh, I would say, a David Leonardism. Yep. <laughs> um, and it is fantastic. Because, you know, like, if I was running a tournament, like, oh, yeah, everyone gets an artifact. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's not good enough. No, no. <laughs> of unimaginable power. And to be fair, um, I would say that there are a few floating <sighs> around in close proximity, which are quite good. Mm, mm. Um, so I know uh, there's some good ones. My one is... 
the the character who's equipped gets heavy armor mm. and Haldir's ability. So when he dies, strike strikes everyone in the combat. Well, that's cool. and and the one I gave you, Albert, actually. What yeah. Was that? So the one that you gave me was um, essentially um, I have fortified spirit mm. at all times. Yeah, which is nuts. Um, which is amazing. So good heavy counter to yeah, um, especially with the hero you chose too. Indeed, and we'll get into that. Yes. we'll get into that. Bit of foreshadowing for you. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the other way, there was, like, there's another way to boost that army. Yes. So, um, there is the ability to buy war gear or any item from uh, the Battle Company's book. Yeah. So, like... There's some nuts stuff in there, too. Yeah, there's some bonkers stuff. Like, um, you can get a war drum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you want. You can get... Um, like obviously the one that I'm going to go for, uh, is just to get a, a pack of dogs. You can get hounds. Oh, puppies. Yeah. 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 So that's like, that's pretty much full disclosure. My aim is to just spend all my points on doggos. Well, this is great. Cause we actually have, <laughs> I think, you know, this is a real great minds think alike moment. Cause I have the same idea. Except not on dogs. Okay. I'm actually here to collect all the Pokemon. Oh, what do you mean by that? So, in the in the Battle Companies book, there's about six-ish different um, animal companions you can get. Right. Okay. Um, I know there's two different birds. Yeah. I believe a falcon and a raven. There's right. a drake, the Frunish drake. Ooh. Uh, what else is there? There's there's a dog, of course. I'll yeah, go, I'll yeah, grab a dog. Yeah, yeah. There's a wag, okay. which, is, which is just Arcanine. You know, it's a bigger dog. Uh, then uh, I'm skimping on the last one, but there's another one I know to... Is it an owl? Is it a... No. Is it not, it's not a, another flyer, is it? No, no. Anyway, don't worry about it. I'm going to collect all the Pokemon, and that's what matters. Very good. Very good. <laughs> but memeing aside, you, there is a lot of good stuff in there. Um, yeah. You can give horses to heroes who have no... Um, business and having horses. Mm, mm. Um, so lots of cool things. So like we said, like it's 500 points to begin with, but things can escalate from mm. that point onwards, right? Um, and the way that you purchase those, though, is through victory points. It's through your VPs. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think this might be kind of the concept is, you know, these points should go to your team. I think this is what I read in the players back if I got it correct. Your, your points go to your team. Yeah. But if you spend any points, that doesn't contribute to the battle. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you're, so you're just yeah, like shafting yeah, the rest yeah, of your it's boys. A, it's a true social experiment of <laughs> yeah. like, you know, how many points did you give? I don't know. How many points did you give? I don't know. Like, like my points. I won't be surprised if at the end of the tournament, you know, David reads out and it's like, and the battle has shifted zero points either yeah. way because <laughs> everyone's just yeah, stockpiling it's it. secretly everyone is just a mercenary that's just like trying to get theirs um no that's that it's, it sounds like a cool mechanic and it'll be interesting to see um how it plays out on the day mm, i think i think a bunch of wombo combos are gonna are gonna come out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think there we might discover uh, like why certain profiles shouldn't have certain things you know? <laughs> anyway um, so without further ado Geordie um, shall we jump in and uh, talk about the armies yeah let's go
rising. Its victory is at hand. A new power is rising. And its hobbying is at hand. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the section in which we talk all about the armies that we're going to take uh, to the tournament. Um, let's kick off with your ta- your army. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the quick pitch is basically I've got the Witch King still in disguise, okay. has scoured the old world and brought with him one of the old... Uh, one of the vampires of old, I guess, and... Uh, He's brought him along to the Anduin plane. Yeah, right. It's, um, it's an imposing model, and we will get to it. Mm. We will get to it. Um, so, outside of the the big bad Gulliver and the Witch King, who else um, are accompanying them on this foray south? Yes, well, as as far as like points go, obviously, that's quite a lot of points sunk into, mm. into the heroes. So, all the other models are like... As cheap as chips as I could get them. So it's just, I believe it's like 16 orcs, a couple wags, and then uh, two spectres hidden in there. Yeah. yeah you've, got, you've got a captain as well. Yes, and, a, and, a, and an orc captain uh, um, riding his faithful steed. And the wags, um, let's just jump into it in a bit more detail. So we'll go through all the units, but the, the wags are not uh, the usual wags, or at least not the, uh, the, the standard wags. No, um, so these guys are the Warhammer 40k... The Fenrisian wolves. I was going to say, it's like Fenrir, but it's not Fenrir. Um, yes, the Fenrisian wolves, so the, yeah. the space wolves or whatever army... But they they had that like Arctic wolf vibe. Yeah. And as soon as I sort of knew I was doing uh, Angmar slash I was going to theme them in like in snow, I was like, I got to get me some of those wolves. Um, they were a little more expensive than I wanted. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like twelve bucks a wolf. Don't tell ooh, anyone. Ooh. Um, but they looked sick. Uh, in the end, they like, they looked really cool. And from from like a hobbying perspective, I guess. As you might have seen with that, like, Angmar list, I had played with gradients on, on material. So I'd played with the gradient on the shield and the gradient on... Do you the, mean the Khan Doom list? Uh, yeah, the the, the, the Khan Doom list uh, from Sil. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I actually decided to do the same with these wolves here. Was this the next army that you painted after that? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. So the Khan Doom list uh, has been painted for... A year and a bit. Uh, now. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some old boys. Um, yeah, okay. And these guys are very recent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh, fresh, fresh for the tawny. Um, so I, I played with the gradient on the wolves. Now, how I did that instead was, you know, painted, you know, the whole model in this dark grey, and then painted, like slightly, like I moved up on the leg and painted it lighter, and then moved up on the body, painted it lighter again, mm. and then moved up on the fur, painted it lighter and lighter and lighter. Mm. I did do highlights on the, the paws, like the base of the, the legs and any joints. Mm. But like that sort of gradient, I don't know, it just sold really well, both at a distance and then when you get closer. So it looks a bit more, like it looks natural, I guess, um, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Was the intent there like trying to really paint with the light source in mind or is it just about that visual impact from that distance to draw you in. Yeah, it's not it's not like an OSL type deal. Like that's yeah, not the concept. Yeah. It's it's more like that natural fur. Yeah. Like yeah. gets you know, like with huskies and whatever, like the fur that's like in various spots is brighter. Yeah. yeah I just yeah. wanted that type effect, yeah. I guess. 
they're, they're really cool models and they 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 don't feel like again when we talk talk about 40k models being mixed in like you you as a listener might think oh geez how's that going to scale but mm. they actually scale quite well and given that the wags like in the films are massive like yeah. they're going toe-to-toe with horses which if you've ever like go and find a horse in a field and stand next to it and feel small um and these guys actually they fit in really well it's, it's funny you say that because to me they look really big but you're right. It's I think just because the wags that we the wag sculpt that we're used to mm. is probably smaller than it should be. I think so. Um, because they they are big. Yeah, and they're imposing. Yeah, but like I I like that about them. I was like, they're that sick. I think oh, yeah. the other thing about these is that they're much more dynamically posed. So dynamic. so they they they're either kind of leaping up or they're coming down from a leap, and so they've got this dynamic height to them. Whereas mm. all of the wags, like you could put a. <laughs> You could put a, a glass on their bottom and they would be able to balance it because they're all just so perfectly level. Yeah. It's unfortunate uh, that they lacked a little bit of dynam- dynamism in their posing. Anyway, um, so you've got the, the wags there. The orcs that you have um, taken, uh, some beautiful orc, uh, some metal sculpts, right? Mm, I wouldn't... Yeah, we can, we can fix that on the orcs because... Um, as you would have heard in the uh, more recent sill, I had a conversation with Thomas Bowman, mm. and he said he had individually painted. Yeah. For this army specifically, all these orcs were individually painted. Yeah, right. Um, start to finish. Now, was that too much to put on my palette uh, plate? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, severe... Did you immediately regret your decision? <laughs> yes. Um, some severe. Burnout. As soon as I finished that army, or this army, and put it down, I was like, "All right, I'm done painting for the next year." Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it was. It's worth it because, geez, the models come up really well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Thomas did it for a hundred goblins, but hey, don't worry about it. Well, I want to know how long it took him, because it's like it's one thing to to do that like over an extended period of time and you break it up with mm. other projects mm. but if you're just sitting there painting woe to go a hundred models one by one mm. whoa no. <laughs> no um but uh with the orcs I, I want variants so i've got the i've got the metal orcs the the good old they're terrific they're terrific skulls yeah um yeah. you just can't match them but as soon as i hit the 12 mark i'm like well what do i do now yeah. um and of course i sort of thought well you know, where are these guys from? They're from Angmar, um, which is once Arnor. So there's a few people who just have some hereditary sort of scrap laying about. So I've got some uh, some lads clad in some age-old Arnor armour. Yep. Um, and to sort of sell the fact that, look, these guys are a little bit uh, dilapidated. Uh, there's some, like, I'm not, not quite sure what you call like, oxidation? Verdigree, I believe. Oh, is it? Verdigree. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so some, like... That, when like, when metal's green. kind of turning green and yeah. it's yeah 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 so you just go like this isn't quite right um, yeah and so the idea is that they are essentially like um, men of Rudau or yeah just, just men that have kind of fallen to the shadow yeah because I, I think in the in the modern age Rudau wouldn't even exist right yeah, it yeah. would just be like this pretty shitty land and yeah. there would just be a few barren. Hillmen, not not literal hillmen, but just people scraping their livings, and it's just these guys, and they yeah, yeah. they've robbed some old, you know, old, um, aren't all grave sites, and been like, hey, here's yeah, some armor, I can yeah. uh, I can use that. Yeah, and I really like the the little bits of verdigree because, um, 
having pointed that out, what it does for the scheme overall, you've gone with, you know, the, the classic Geordie high contrast, low saturation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, with tones of purple ish, I would call it. (laughs) Um, the 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 metal does have um, purple thrown at the very base. Yes, yeah. I don't know how you got that. Oh, it's coming. It kind of <laughs> comes through. Like I know that it's not. It, I say it's purple, and it probably won't even show up in the images when I take photos of these guys because my um, camera skills are not that great. Um, but it plays. So the verdigris is this kind of greenish light, light bluish kind of tone to it and what I like about these um these traitor boys or these uh, hillmen that have um found some some old antique armor is that it ties in with the orcs because Mm -hmm. a lot of the orc skin are the kind of bluish pale tones so the whole like when you when you see um them all as a collective it's not like orc orc arnold what's he doing there orc 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 it's like orc orc oh dank boy all right cool (laughs) um and it all kind of ties together so again it's like trying to use that that paint scheme to to tell the the story well that's exactly it the the every single orc in in this list and and as i expand it his blue skin Mm. like i know i know the orcs from mordor and everywhere they they have variants in skin tone yeah um for whatever reason, I've decided, you know, all these orcs, because they're all from, like, this, you know, icy region that they've all developed the same sort of skin tone to to live up there, you know. It's it's more of an environmental factor for them rather than just, like, a, a genetic factor sort of thing. Or Yeah, look, I think... Uh, I don't know why this is completely unfounded. There's no reason behind this. But I feel like if you're going to paint all of your orc skin one colour, do it blue. Mm. This is completely unfounded. (laughs) If you do it all green, it feels too... I don't know, other fantasy-ish. You know what I mean? It's in uh, the realm of the... Like, actual white fantasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh, Whereas blue is like, okay, something's not right. Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we can move on. Whereas, like, yeah. So, um, I think it really works and and it ties in with the the overall kind of cool theme that you have in all of the paint paint jobs. Yeah. And then, um, as far as warriors go, there's also the two spectres. Now... Uh, <laughs> these are good. You'll see. You'll see the good. photos of these guys. Um, the one of, of is of course a hobbit, and then the other is a sort of like a lady who's been a little bit dismembered and a little bit disfigured. <laughs> I um, like how you start with saying one of them is of course. Of course, a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> what else would it be? Um, yeah. So she is just like a random um, product that I got from unreleased minis. Basically, I bought the Grima on horse and he got delayed by several months. Right. And I messaged him like, what's going on? He's like, you know, something stuffed up in shipping or something. And I was like, that's fine. And he's like offered some compensation. I was like, this model's cool. Can I have it? Yeah. So he sent this alongside my mounted Grima. Anyway, that was, story... Was the, was the original model intended to be a spirity waif? No, it was or? just... It was like, yeah, this, this waif lady and she was wafting about. Uh-huh. Um, and who knows what it was meant to be for I was just yeah. like that's cool I want it yeah. um, and then when it came to deciding what my spectres were because you know for example I could have just painted those two Arnold boys as ghosts yeah. that would have been easy enough but yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. no that's not quite right I like I want, I wanted to play into that idea of like you know what's scary you know running into an alleyway 
an actual like ghost or like a, a little kid, you know, <laughs> like they're yeah. both fucking scary yeah, for their yeah, own yeah. reason. So I wanted to play off that like innocent lost, yeah. innocence lost type ghost idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. So of course, what's the most innocent creature in Middle Earth? A hobbit. <laughs> um, well, it's either that or the bumblebees from Aeon's <laughs> house. I think it's close, close to No, and it works so well. Like, like you're saying that innocence lost idea. And when I, when you showed me a picture of it first, I totally got it. And the thing that immediately flashed to my mind was that I think it was in the first episode of Game of Thrones. Um, mm. when the white is like a little baby kid yep. and it's like, wow, that's so impactful and you compare that to what happens in the later season. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was good at that point. I know, I know. Okay. And, that's, and, okay. and what I was judging it off was actually my initial visceral reaction mm. to that kid with the bright blue eyes of like, Ooh, that's yeah. real scary. That's rough. Like that's proper scary. And that's the exact vibe that I got with this Hobbit. Because it, it, is the the base model that you use, is he usually holding, uh, what's he holding aloft? Oh, no, no. N- nothing's altered about the model. Um, oh, okay. So he's right. just sort of ye- yelling. He's oh. like a little Hobbit who's really excited and he's yeah. like, yeah, let's go. But of course, he's <laughs> given the same appearance, but like ghastly. Yeah, when you, when suddenly... you paint him up to look slightly disemboweled with um, kind of gore over him, it takes on a different tone. Mm, and and uh, I'm glad you mentioned gore because I don't paint gore on my models because I'm yeah. like I want them to be fresh battle ready yeah yeah. with these guys I was like no yeah. they can have gore yeah. that's how they looked going into the battle like yeah. they're they're clearly like disturbed dead and so they've you know this is like their sort of spectral spirit form and they're because they would have died in some sort of horrific way yeah the blood that they died in is sort of like part of their appearance now so I, I kept gore and did you use a, a um, what did you use for the gore? So I painted like brown into a light red, and then I think I applied like a, a small layer of blood for the blood god. Okay, so, so I didn't do it dense. Yeah, but I wanted it to still have that like shiny appearance. Because that's what gives it the shine. I was going to yeah. ask you if you did like a, a gloss varnish or something over the top of it, but that makes that makes sense. Yeah, cool, awesome. They're beautiful, and yeah. again, like really like it because it, it they're, they're visually distinct from the other models so they stand out mm. because you know obviously Hobbit smaller um, but the 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 lady um, Banshee model is also proportionally quite thin mm. so again the proportions and, and the, the, the tone you've used kind of lighter tones as well so they do um, pop out from, from the rest, which is a good, yeah, good thing. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about it before where I think I think it's good to make distinct models visually distinct as yeah. well. Yeah. For playability. Yeah, yeah. Um, among yeah. other things. Like, you want it for the display. You go, oh, that, that model's cool. Can I have a closer look? Yeah. But for playability too, because, yeah, yeah. like, you want to know where your opponent's specters are. Oh, 100%. so <laughs> 100%. As much as I'd like to just disguise them, you know, paint them black as well and hide them with the orcs. And yeah. then they go, oh, you know, it's their shooting phase and they have Legolas. I'm like, I'm just going to shoot the, the, the orc over there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but now exactly. he goes, I'm going to shoot the Spectrum. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So that part aside, um, I think, yeah, it's... To me, it's important to sort of show where the models are. Uh, and the Witch King that you've uh, got... So on the um, table in front of us, there's one on horse and one on foot. Uh, in the list is... is are you taking it on foot in the 
from the outset? Mm, very good leading question, Albert. I like it. Just no. thinking, thinking about the, <laughs> this, the context of this tournament and what you can do in terms mm. of buying equipment and stuff. So, no, I put the, the Witch King on foot. Yep. Um, he's very bare bones. He's mainly there as the Terror Bubble caddy and the Magic caddy. Like, he really yeah. is an and White caddy. He's basically a caddy for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> so, he's as bare bones as I could sort of get him. In, and that included not putting him on horse. Yeah. But, as we've sort of said in the intro, you spend a couple points maybe in a game where I've 12 owed, I can just yeah, chuck yeah. him on the horse and, yeah. and we're sort of good to go. Yeah. So I wanted the model ready. Yeah. You know, uh, in case. Absolutely. Uh, at 500 points, you can't have it all, uh, especially mm. when you're taking uh, Gulliver. <laughs> um, but before we get to Gulliver, there's a couple more models that I want to touch on. The Orc Captain that you've done um, there is mounted on one of the Fenrisian wargs. Yes. Um, what, what model have you used for the, for the conversion? Yes. Uh, it's our little friend, uh, Gorbag. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, now that I've actually picked it up. So, have you... Because the legs look very good. And I know that the original model has quite like a wide-legged stance. Mm, mm. Did you have to chop anything to get it to work? Or were you kind of more bendy, bending things into place? Yeah, so the OG is rocking a power stance. <laughs> uh, no, I did have to manoeuvre it. So he's got a little... Mm. armour plates flowing down yes. so I shaved them right off because yeah. they just weren't working like yeah. he just was basically an entire metre up from the wolf and I did chop his legs basically at the knees which is uh, pretty graphic but he's a model so it's okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah Benton rearranged them um, makes sense it looks just, re- it, the reason that I ask is because it looks really natural. So I was wondering how much you could actually do with the original pose. But now mm. that you've described that to me, I can kind of... I can understand why you needed to cut it at the knees to get the, the legs to really hug the model. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's, what, that's what sort of sold it was the fact that like he's hugging it and it's... You can see in the pose that he's like shifted his balance against yeah. the sword and stuff, and, yeah. and that plays through. It, it like, and the good news was, Gorbag's got like fur on his legs, so it bloody hides so well. Yeah, like, you just wouldn't tell that no, there's green right. stuff going on. Um, and yeah, I reposed his other arm as well. I kind of thought it might go okay. Um, the OG pose he's got a hand in front, and I was like, that's Reigns, or like, well, in this case, he's grabbing fur. You know what I mean? So that's easy. But the other hand didn't look quite natural. Because so oh, like, nah. it, it's kind, it was kind of pointing out more to the side. Yeah, it's like yeah. forwards-ish, and I yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. Mm, didn't quite work. Yeah. Um, didn't look, didn't look natural. Basically, if yeah. you're running a walk, you're not just pointing to the side. Yeah. No. Um, so I chopped it off in front of the little plate that stands up. I'm not sure what you would call that. Yeah. And then rotated various bits, and I think I chopped him at the maybe at the elbow as well, and yeah. rotated like there it. as well. So. Yeah. It's come up really well, and I've got to say, actually, I've got a really big soft spot um, for Gorbag as a model. Mm. I think it's a really good model in terms of just capturing... Like, it's a really interesting layered approach to the armour, which is actually quite fun to paint, and I think you've done a really good job of picking out all the details on that. Um, And it just, like, it captures... I think the essence of orc, <laughs> yeah, kind of he's like very a, a scrappy orc, you know. Um, so it's really cool to see him um, get some get some uh, play on the table. Yeah, I, I was in the same mindset before coming into this army. Is that I like 
I love the Gorbag yeah. model. I yeah. love what Gorbag in the movie represents yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, how can I get this boy yeah. in there? And yeah, uh, yeah through through heavy conversion, uh, I was happy to make it work. Cause, very cool. Because uh, he looks pretty sick. Yeah, very cool. Um, and the banner. Banner, banner was a bit of a joint effort. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a collaboration. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I called in some help from a friend once again. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you'll of course have seen the Insta, I'm sure, dear listener. Um, I've got this this orky with a banner, and it's not literally a banner, is it though? No, it's more of a staff of. Um, I was going to say a staff of power, but that carries different connotations, uh, but. Standard, I think they're called. Standard. Yeah. Standard. Um, but so you came to me with, I think it was an AOS bit. Yeah. Once again, finding bits from Age of Sigma. Yeah. It's um, from the Ideneth and Deepkin yep. uh, model. Yep. They had this like adornment sticking out of their back. Yep. And I was like, and you know, it's quite stylistic and it's it's got a whole lot going on. But, but, but the basic image that I saw when I saw that model was like an, an eye. Yeah, yeah, and very specifically, well, the eye of Sauron. Yeah. Um. So basically, I, I brought that little staff to you, the <laughs> the, you know, the real version, and was like, "How, but do this, but again." <laughs> <laughs> so when you brought it, I think you thought that I was gonna like do a press mold yep. of it and then like try and recreate it by hand. And in the minute I saw that, I was like, there's way too much intricate detail in this. The only way that this will be, um, like, I'll be able to replicate this is if I uh, draw it up in CAD and 3D print it, mm. which I did. Um, <laughs> and it was it was a good learning exercise, actually. Like, every time I get given complex geometry to try and solve, it pushes me to figure out how to model things. Um, and I, f- like, again, like, I feel like I- I'm living in 2050. Like, I see this thing and then I, mm. like, model it and then I go to my 3D printer and, you know, four hours later, <laughs> it, em- it emerges out of this vat of goop. And We've essentially discovered cloning. Literally. Uh. It's <laughs> fucking incredible. Um, so, it, like, it's super cool to be able to go, oh, here's this idea and, you know, a few years ago, I would have just been like, okay, that's a cool idea. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice concept. Yeah. Thanks. Good luck with that. Um, but now it's like, okay, well, let's, let's make it happen. And um, super cool. I think it, uh, it, like, it's a cool design because like you say, when you, when you see it in a Lord of the Rings context, you go, well, it's the Eye of Sauron. Mm. Mm. Quite clearly, but it's also a very big pointy stick mm-hmm. that I will point and stick you with. Mm, I can actually stab you. Yeah. Um, and of course, very bloody well done on the replicas. Um, looks like if they were at a distance, couldn't tell them apart. Yeah. Look, you know, I know how much I had to change to get it to work because, you know, my poor brain was trying to figure out how to do two way curves and it wasn't <laughs> working. Um, but yeah, I think it's a pretty good close approximation and I think it communicates the overall kind of aesthetic um, and it fits in with the rest of the army which is really cool Um, and of course why did I get it replicatable because I'm starting the banner on a wug yeah um, which is something new that I'm trying in general because of course this this army is built around Gulliver so what I want is for a banner to be able to keep up yep so I thought look let's chuck it on on a wug Um, yeah makes sense and in my playtesting 
it, it was really cool to first of all just be able to relocate your banner. Yeah. Like I, th- it was kind of worth it almost for that. It's the slightly bigger base for a banner also important anyway yeah, enough about yeah. this game stuff <laughs> I needed a dismount of course um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and so I had to find the same unfortunately I didn't want to spend too much time chopping up metals plus I didn't have any replicates so I had to go with a plastic yeah um, so I found the <laughs> one of the like the one of two plastics that actually have detail uh, chopped and changed him um, put him on a wag and very happy with with the results, first of all, of the of the modelling, because that yeah. was a lot of effort, and then getting, having a painted plastic orc stand next to a metal orc and hold its own. Yeah. Very chuffed yeah. with that, because yeah. <laughs> there is a, 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 a steep drop in the detail between the two. Yeah, I think also, though, like, there is, there's an undeniable drop, but... There's also some of it comes down to the skill of the painting or the skill of the painter. Um, like, you know, unless you're really up close, you, you've kind of view it in the same vein as the rest of them. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it is the best, best of a bad bunch. Um, so you, you can kind of get away with it. Yeah. Uh, well, th- and that's exactly what I mean. Like, the fact that he stands next to the other guys and looks fine, I'm yeah, like, I'm so happy with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's just not the sort of mindset that people have when it comes to these plastic walks. No, they are definitely the poor cousin to the, <laughs> the old medals. Um, before we get into the uh, big centerpiece model, mm. I just wanted to touch on um, the Pokemon. Yes, the real centerpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. So you've got uh, four Pokemon. Yeah. Well, what, he's not, oh, sorry. he's not in the list, okay. but that's okay. okay. That's okay. okay. There's five. Yeah, five. Sorry, I, for the listeners, I wasn't counting uh, one of the Wags. Uh, my apologies. Um, so you've got the two birds, the Wag, the Doggo, and then the Runish Drake. Yes, that's right. So the, the two Burbs... Um, just 3D prints. So, uh, I wish I could recall where they were from, but, um, the Falcons really, they're really neat little models because they're so small. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but they hold a decent They're distinctly like one's a crow, one's a raven or crow or whatever. I like that the crow slash raven is on a skull. Yes. Did it come 3D printed on the skull? Yeah, it did. Yes. And I didn't have the heart to to part it from this happy little skull. No way. No way. And the Falcons like... Uh, looking behind his uh, back, kind of about to take flight and go shazam. Yeah, um, yeah. very cool. Great um, models. The the papa, of course, is the classic uh, farmer maggot hound. Yeah. Um, I I went for the more like slouchy, sad looking one because he's in an Angmar list. They're probably yeah, not yeah, yeah. so nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, the Runish Drake, uh, of course, is is that the official model? It's the official um, baby Drake from the Moria. From the Cave Drake, Cave Drake kit. Yeah. Um, Which is what it's kind of yeah, based on. Right? Um, what I didn't realise was that the Runish Drake is on a 40 mil. Um, it seems, yeah, kind of a bit... I feel like he could fit on the 28. It's a, it's a powerful model, actually, um, reading its profile. Oh, but, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for a little snippet for the listeners, if it successfully deals a wound to a model, that model becomes fight one, attack one, <laughs> for the rest of the game. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so he's this little like poison boy. He's like, 
and then you fucking become delirious. I, and... I guess in battle companies, that's not <laughs> yeah. so much of a big deal. But if you're taking like an Imrahil or an Aragorn, then that's if a real big deal. If he on you. Um, and then there's <clears throat> Wag. And of course, that's only five Pokemon. Um, the other Pokemon uh, that I'm using is actually Ghastly. Oh. Um, so one of the Spectres, the yeah, female yeah. one specifically from that episode where Ghastly pretends to be a forlorn lady. Anyway, enough uh, Pokemon it's, trivia there. I was going to say, that's a, a niche within a niche within a niche. <laughs> and if you get that niche, please, dear listener, um, phone in, give us an email, uh, drop us a line on Instagram. Don't have to say anything else other than, I hear you, Geordie. Yeah, that's right. And we'll know. We'll, Validate me. We'll, we'll count up the two of you that send in and that'll be good. Um, but moving on to the main event, the main course, uh, Gulliver. Now, this is Gulliver as certainly I've never seen him before. Well, um, my understanding of the lore is that the, the vampires in Tolkien's universe are like humanoid. Um, and it was, uh, humanoids are the wrong word because that's the norm. They're like animalistic humanoids. Right. So what I, when I first saw this model, which, uh, of course, those checking the Insta, uh, is an Age of Sigma model. I think it's called like a Varangian Bloodlord or something. Something Bloodlord. Um, big vampire. And they're grotesque from the waist down. Yeah. Is basically how you would describe it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like he becomes... He's got this normal upper body and then he becomes this like foul, half bat, half wolf-ish type um, yeah. thing. And to me that read what, when I read the sort of passage that Tolkien had written about the, the vampires, which is they've got like red pinion wings and they take the shape of like a bat, but they're human at the same time. Like that's sort of what... Yeah. When when this came out, basically that's what I what I saw. I was like, "That's Tolkien's vampires, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. To an extent, of course. Yeah, and uh, it's cool because you know, like all we have to go on is G Dub's um, their version. Mm. Um, there's really not much in the way that I'm aware of of kind of reference art because it is very niche. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I feel like this is definitely one of those areas where there is a lot of room for exploration within the hobby in terms of how you want to portray this. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that Gulliver is currently out of production and exorbitant. That, <laughs> that may have been a factor as well. <laughs> um, so I saw this model and was like, fuck, I want to do this. And when I sort of decided I was doing Angmar for this list, well, when, when the... The tournament rules allowed for a Super Saiyan Gulliver. I decided this is the time. Um, so I went out, bought the kit. Not cheap, but that's fine. Uh, and spent, I think, three solid sessions on him. Like three five to six hour sessions. Like a, a long time. Um, painting him up. Just, I just want to come back very quickly before we talk more about the painting, the Super Saiyan version of this for the listeners that are point, putting two and two together. So Geordie's um, artifact of unimaginable power mm, mm. Um, takes uh, Gulliver's one weakness of being defense five, mm -hmm, bumps mm. it up to defense seven. Is that mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool, cool, cool defense cool. seven cool, 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 cool. I mean, that's normal. Um, so, you know, the, 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 
the uh, the codex or the codices that we we live and uh, die by of um, you know theme first and and power gaming last has been thrown out the window. Yes, um, I uh, in, in favor of crushing. Um, I've decided to be the bad guy this tournament. Yeah, and- uh, listeners, root against me in every battle, please, because uh, I've been pretty rude here. That look. That being said. Um, it, like the model does support it as well because the model is actually wearing heavy armor. Exactly. So I like, feel like it's the right time to do it. And I do really love, like the model is for my money, a lot more imposing than the G dub model. Like in terms of its height, in terms of its presence, um, it's significantly more impactful. So Let's talk about the paint scheme because there's a lot going on here. Um, so the, the, the purple tones that are almost kind of indistingu- indistinguishable in the orcs that we were talking about before are very clear and present yes. in this model. Right? Um, so what I like that's going on here is that um, the rest of the army is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as... Tone. Yeah. Um, also quite cool yeah also pretty, <laughs> pretty rad you know whatever don't worry about it um whereas Gully, he's most of him is very he's very warm yep um so he's got that like bestial body sort of section and to me like it obviously just naturally looked grotesque but I wanted to build on that yep I couldn't I couldn't end there so I tried to build up from like a, you know, a classic Geordie style. I tried to build up from like a dark colour and make it as bright as possible whilst sort of looking foul. Like yeah. looking like the skin is not quite right. Yeah. Um, so I built up like the musculature and I, I, you know, drew the lines to make it like striated and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and across the joints and, and sort of... He's got like... He's... <laughs> On the body, hopefully, hopefully chosen the photos. Like it's, he's got like spine, like bone sticking out of, yeah. the, but like sticking through the skin and bone spurs. Kind of, yeah. Ah, it's grotty. Anyway, I wanted to elaborate on that, so I painted um, all of all of that skin, and it comes off like it's warm. Yeah. When you see it next to the army, but it, it's quite a bright, a quite a brightish color. Yeah. Um. Which is cool, but what I find super interesting, uh, and initially you actually had a pretty mellow response to this over message because I it blew my mind. The <laughs> wings in the body, yeah, are painted with the three colors: a bit of Abaddon black, corn red, and and skull white, whatever it's now yeah. called. Of course, dear listeners, you'll see that like his hands and the pinions. Uh, like this more like scarlet and deep red that is painted using Abaddon black corn red and white isn't that cool yeah it is alright still a mellow response no no it is like it really is Uh, I think though like talk so talk me through the process of going through and changing that so what was the defining factor in terms of where those colors diverged that's what i'm very interested good in. idea very good point so with the the skin quote unquote skin section yeah. heavy abaddon heavy uh, light corn red started from there 
Yeah. Um, which is where it got that sort of purple tone, I guess. Yeah. I would mix all of that basically only with whites and blacks. Yeah. So it would... It started pretty desaturated and it stayed that way as yeah. it climbed higher and higher and higher and higher. I find it almost unbelievable that it's just corn red in there. Yeah. Like, corn red... I know when you leave corn red for a real long time and it starts to separate, because <laughs> I haven't used mine in a long time, blue blue comes to the mm. top. Mm. So there is obviously that... It's got kind of the purplish tones to it. Mm. But it's... Like, I look at that and I go... Because I've been thinking about how to paint purple and I was going to actually <laughs> ask you, <laughs> what purple should I buy? Turns out... <laughs> Just don't need red. to just buy red <laughs> duh logical answer so the the key thing there is that you're you're putting heaps of black into the red mm. to desaturate it bring it down and then pump it back up from that so well you never got pumped back up it the, with, the skin with, with stayed the down but so but oh. when you're when you're highlighting back up you're putting white into yes. it to bring the the to keep the, the red down but yeah. to get the the brightness up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so what I mean, <laughs> what I so what I'm interested in, right, is your base layer that you put on. Is that just a mix of black and red, or is it? Are you putting heaps of black and into it, and it's like so dark that you then need to put a little bit of white in to bring it up to the base layer? Uh, so the base layer on this one, I if I had to give numbers, I would say would have been eighty black, twenty red. Right, uh, percent, of course. So, so that's the base coat. That would have been just eighty twenty mix. Yeah. Okay, and then you start adding white in. And then I would have mixed like ten percent white, ten yeah, percent yeah, white, ten yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. I say ten percent. Normally, I would climb by like twenty percent or yeah. something, but because this is like a centerpiece model, I want to yeah, make it look. The a bit blends are real smooth. Like you'll see it in the photos. It looks really, really clean. The, like you say, with the musculature. Um, from this distance, I'm viewing it. Um, what like a meter away. Mm. And it really reads very clearly. And when you get up close, like it, <laughs> it looks really good. So I'm sorry that I didn't jump up and down for you, Geordie. It is, it is incredible. <laughs> it is. It really is amazing. And, and, and to think that, you know, that, um, like, I guess this is, this is the thing when you're dealing with paints that aren't single pigment. Mm. When you're manipulating them, they can have these wild spectrum of interaction yeah right like i i know a lot of like in in the youtube world there's certain painters who love single pigment paints because they know exactly what's in it and therefore they have complete control over what this is the color it's going to become yeah Yeah. whereas this is like i feel like it's much more of a dark art because like (laughs) (laughs) it really is because you go those two colors sitting literally side by side on the model uh, from the same paint. It's like, yeah. no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> That's no magic. <laughs> <laughs> you painted that with a purple and that's with a red. Um, and we never got to it, but the, yeah, the, the pinions and the hands, um, cause I wanted the hands to stand out basically. Yeah. Um, they would have started with like, I believe like a 50, 50 black and red. Yeah. But then the immediate layer above that would have been like, 20% black and seven and 70, 70, 80% but maths <laughs> and 80% red. Cause yeah. I wanted it to be a deep red. Like yeah. I wanted the red wanted to show the through here. Yeah. 
And then it was small highlights with the wide, but yeah. not a lot. And they yeah, because were... it's still red. It's not like there's no kind of pinkish yeah, to it. Exactly. Like it is true like scarlet. I wanted it to keep that, but enough that like there were literal highlights. So I think there's maybe like six or seven layers. Yeah. But like they were very pinpoint layers rather than yeah. my usual, you know, you know, smorgasbord. Of yeah, and you've kind of you, you, working with the model because you've got these little kind of knuckle joints which mm. lend themselves to those little kind of pop highlights, which are quite cool with the, um, uh, with the red. Um, and so the, the skin, those kind of lower skin layers are contrasted by what's happening from the waist up. Yes. It's a very different, like it's almost a model of two halves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what I, I'm going to assume that's what the modelers had in mind here. I don't know if it is because the paint job, doesn't quite sell that, but anyway, like the paint job on the box, I should say. Oh, right. Um, well, that seems mad to me because I look at this and it's one of those things. And I think that's also like one of the downfalls of box art mm. is that you, it become like that becomes fixed in your mind and you kind of, it's hard to break out of that. Whereas seeing it the way that you've painted it, of course it's a model of two halves. Well, um, I, I, I don't want to oversell what they've... Well, maybe undersell what they've done. Like, it's clearly, like, a creature and a vampire, but, like, they're both... They both follow the same colour palette. You yeah. know what I mean? So, it's, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. goes, here's the top and here's the bottom. Yeah. Whereas, I think, yeah. I feel like it's a... I would be interested, and maybe this is one of those things where the design team that are designing the models versus the guys that are painting it, I wonder whether there was a conversation mm. there at all and whether the guy who designed the model's like, but it's a model of two halves <laughs> why did you paint it the same mm. um, because the way that you've painted it makes perfect sense to me and the yep. way that you've described it also like in terms of um, the idea of that Tolkienian uh, like description of it being half man half bat um, yeah it, it's cool so um, talk us through how you've done the, the top half it's that classic armour technique where you make it super um, juxtaposing you go the armor is deep dark black yeah. the armor is super bloody bright here yeah. to give that like effect of you know this is metal whereas cloth you would blend it yeah. armor you keep it separate yeah. um, and then done the same with the gold the gold's really cool though because I think the gold um, again kind of gives some warmth to the upper part of the model and, and it also is a little bit brighter than the silver armour. The silver yes. armour's kept quite dark and yes. I'm sure that's on purpose um, which gives it more contrast as well. I think the dark armour is actually doing a lot of really important work in terms of providing um, like a break between the mm -hmm. other colours going on. Um, I'm not sure if that was in, intentional, but... Yeah, um, so I, I like what you said there because it's exceeding a break. So to me, the, the black armor is like the negative space of this model. There's not a lot on here that's yeah. negative space because it's so freaking busy and there's a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. I wanted the armor to be, I guess, soothing on the eyes. You go, yeah. there's the bottom, there's a lot going on there. And yeah. then you go, here's all the extremities and his face and everything. You go, there's a lot going on there. The armor's just like a, a, a piece of silence in the middle. Yeah. That's great, and and it works really well for the overall composition. The, so the skin um, that you've gone with, uh, like the the hands and the um, well, not well, a bit of the hand and the the actual skin on the face is the the cool tone again. Yeah. So I wanted this guy to have that like, you know, blue undeath sort of look about him, 
Yeah. But I didn't want him to be the same colour as the orcs because that no. just doesn't quite work. You know, this dude's surreal and they're just normal. He's blue for another reason. Um, and so I basically went a lot brighter yeah. with his blue. So I went like five shades brighter than the orcs and stuff like that. Um, the the cool part about this model, actually, if you see it, is in his he's got like a hand in front of him, just sort of like posing. There's a little ring on there. Yeah, I saw that. So I like I like to the throw the head cannon in there that he's got one of the uh, cheeky bloody rings of power, maybe the one from Arnor, who knows? <laughs> um, obviously nothing in game, of course, but hey, you don't yeah, get strength you... eight for <laughs> without having one of those, right? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right, and you know. Maybe you'll get an artifact of unimaginable power, um, and he can wear that uh, to next year's. Um, it's a very, very striking uh, model, and um, I'm sure that there will be plenty of people who um, haven't listened the whole way through the podcast mm. and will ask, "What model's that?" Yeah, <laughs> um, um, it's and uh, I, you mentioned it earlier that. He's a lot more imposing than Gorba. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think you, you said something to the effect of, like, he takes up more space. Yeah. What I love about this model is that he fills his base perfectly. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. fits so perfect on the Gulabar base. But, he's, of course, he, he f- appears like he's so much taller and yeah. bigger. And, and Well, he physically is yeah, taller than yeah. Gulabar. I mean, this is true. But, but you're right. The way that his wings are much more dynamically posed... So, in essence, he is a dynamic 60 millimeter cylinder, mm, whereas exactly. Gulliver is like a, like, <laughs> you know, 60 millimeters in one dimension kind of thing. Yeah. And he's perched really awkwardly on the rock at the center of the bait. Like, it just, it mm. doesn't, it doesn't have the gravitas that matches the profile, the prof- as far as I'm concerned. The profile is nuts. Um... I've had two practice games. Yeah. It's insane. Oh, it's crazy. It's uh, crazy. We won't, again, we won't talk about that too much, but you're right. I think the, the Gulliver model, I, I like the concepts and I think it's pretty cool. It does. It's not as intimidating as yeah. that model. Yeah. That model is fucked. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a Gulliver tucked away. I actually bought it the week before it went out of production. Nuts. Just Just by Nuts. chance. I literally, I placed the order and then... Uh, like a week or two weeks later, it was like, and this model's now in production. I was like, cha-ching. Um, but it was a resin one, and mm. I'm, I'm going to, um, when I finally get to it, um, convert it up, chop it up, um, and try and kind of bend the wings using a bit of hot water and do, mm. do something to just change up. Because I symmetry is the enemy, as far as I'm concerned, mm. in terms of having an interesting model to look at. Yeah. And he's very symmetrical. Yes. Um, so this, I think this is a great... Um, alternative. The the only other thing that we haven't talked about for the army, um, unless I'm missing something, is the bases. Yes. Um, these are cool. I I saw a photo online of somebody's like dead marsh specter, like the classic elf posts. You yeah. know, saw down, looking a bit ghoulish, and he basically had the classic cork. You know, standing on top of some cork board that's obviously ripped apart. And stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there was like snow on the top and then snow on the bottom. Yeah. And it let there be like this bit of like brown in the middle to like yeah. break it up. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it gives good contrast. Yes. So like, it, cause the bases are like are top to toe and wide. Yeah. But there's those breaks in it. Yeah. And so it's, it doesn't look just white anymore. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, it looks like, yeah, white Good brown. Enough variation. Um, and so I was like, well, how do I get that effect? Uh, and uh, throw the dice, Dickie sells um, basically AK effects, is what yeah. I think they're called. AK and Interactive. AK Interactive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they had a couple different, like, snow things. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know what they do. So I just bought them all. <laughs> and I was like, well, one of them's going to stick. Sound tactic. Lucky I did, because it wasn't one that stuck. It's actually two of them combined. Yeah. Yeah, um, right. So there was one just called Snow Sprinkles. Yep. You paint that down, and it, it kind of just looks like maybe like two days after a snowfall, and it's it's like melted, but there's right. like a little bit there. Yeah, okay. And I was like, well, that's not quite what I wanted. I yeah. wanted like fresh snowfall. Um, and so I tried that again. I was like, snow sprinkles, and there's this other effect, which they had called snow micro balls. Mm. And this, the sort of pitch for it is that it gives the appearance of fresh snow. And I was yeah. like, surely not. <laughs> Put it on. Now, this looked pretty okay. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like a dense, you know, full couple inches of snow, which yeah. is what I wanted. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I was like, okay, that's fine. What if we repeat the step, the, that process? And so, this was cool. This was like a bit of a learn on the fly situation. So, on top of like those, those micro balls, basically, I did a second layer of snow sprinkles, poured some more micro balls on... And then voila, we had the desired effect. Perfect. So it was cool, first of all, to just sort of like conduct some experiments and like find the process yeah. to get it. Because it's like the materials worked. We just yeah. had to figure out how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Trust the process. Yeah. I was glad that, first of all, glad that it worked. And, and so I applied that sort of snow across all of it, all the bases. And of course, ripped up so much corkboard. And, and yeah, I was super, super chuffed with how it's all come out. Okay, so, um, look, I think that about covers it um, for your army, Geordie. And I thought, I, I, I knew that this was going to be your army ahead of time. Yeah, all right. So, I thought I would um, organise a special guest to oh, come sick. in. sick. All right. Little interview, change it up, mix it up. Um, so, uh, I invited somebody to come in who knows a little bit, uh, word from the wise, okay. about some of the models in your army. All right, well, this sounds pretty interesting, but um, look, I know it may be a little unprofessional here, but I'm abs- absolutely busting. So, how about you have a chat with them? Okay, all right. I'll just go to the dunny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. And then I'll- hopefully, like, by the time... Yeah, I'll hold the fort. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. All right, excellent. Oh, g'day, Saruman. Oh, oh, thanks for coming. You're a bit early, though. A wizard is never late. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely right. That's it. My apologies. My apologies. Please, uh, take a seat. Take a seat. Um, look, full disclosure, um, Geordie's actually, uh, he's uh, currently indisposed. Um, but I thought maybe maybe we could get started, um, if you're okay. Is, is that okay with you? Yes, well, happy to talk. Excellent, excellent. Okay. So, um, for the listeners, uh, maybe you can talk us through some of the details of uh, vampires uh, and your understanding from a lawmaster's perspective. Well, I know all there is to know. Hmm. Vampires. Well, the great vampires resided in old Beleriand, the region northwest of our Middle Earth that you might be uh, comfortable with. They were bat-faced creatures and the chief servants of Morgoth. 
the great enemy. Little is known of these foul creatures, though it is said Sauron himself could conjure their appearance and capabilities. It is thought they might be Maya, a lesser form of my kin, I'm sure. They are said to have been bats corrupted by Morgoth and transformed into hideous demons with the faces of hideous men and women. They were assigned the winged messengers of Melkor, able to shapeshift into the likeness of many creatures of the forest and travel at both great speed and with terrific secrecy. Oh, that that's really interesting. Um, are there any uh, like named vampires that I would know? None that would be known to you, surely. And there is only one vampire known to me. Therefore, only one vampire to be known. Thuringwethel, her name, the woman of the secret shadow. It is said of Thuringwethel that she had fingered wings and iron claws. Oh, I, I've never heard of her, but I've definitely heard of um, another one. Gulliver, terror of uh, Arnor. Nonsense. There has been no sight or sound of a vampire in the days of Arnor. I highly doubt such a creature has returned to Middle-earth without my knowing. Well, it sounds like you you know um, a lot. Is there any way that I could like find it out, like maybe at my local library? There is very little scripture on the vampires, and I keep it tight in Isengard, the impenetrable tower. Though it is written of Sauron as he fled in his vampire form from Huon, the Hound of Valinor. A vampire shape with pinions vast, screeching leapt from the ground and past, its dark blood dripping on the trees. And that is all there is to be known. Well, I wish that Geordie was here because I think he would absolutely have loved that. Um, do you mind hanging around just to wait until he gets back? Unfortunately, the hour grows late. And I have an appointment with the Wildman at four o'clock. I must be gone. Oh, look, that's, that's totally fair enough. Thanks, thanks so much for, for coming by. Um, and hopefully we can catch up again soon. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right, I'm, uh, I'm back. Yeah, you just bloody missed him. Miss, miss who? Oh, mate, you'll never believe who I managed to convince to come. Right. Saruman the Wise. Are you, fu- are you fucking me? Literally in the room. You, you know he's my favourite character. Right? I know. That's you what... should have told me. <laughs> I wanted it to be a surprise. Oh, God damn. I know. I know. I know. Look, I, look, I think I've established relationship now to a certain okay. extent. I okay. think he thinks I'm a complete idiot. So, you know, he's, oh, obviously, yeah. well, he's not alone. Yeah. He's not alone. <laughs> um, but I think he will come back. I think he will come back. So, All right. um, we may- can have another crack. Yeah, I can have another crack. Don't beat yourself <laughs> up. It's okay. Um, geez, you can listen back to the recording. Actually, oh, yeah. he's, uh, he's got some little pearls of wisdom. Damn. I mean, some on the wise. Of course he does. They call him the wise for nothing. Anyway. All right. Well, um, with that disappointment out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Now we're here to talk about, uh, 
another disappointment of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what happened here, Albert? I don't even get an Astari to talk about my army. That's terrible. No, so this... this so, bit of context. Um, the army that I have taken... We're not going to do a deep dive into the... Um, the theme on this one, uh, because we'll be covering it in more detail in an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's the fiefdoms. Right. And, um, full disclosure, I didn't manage to get it fully painted. Whew. Now, now when I say fully painted, uh, like there is paint on all the models, rest assured. Okay. So literally they're painted. They, they were literally base coated. <laughs> um, and I managed to get a couple of the knights kind of looking spick and spam. Yeah. Um, so not all hope is lost, but it certainly isn't how I like to rock up to a tournament. Oh yeah. You know, like the, like we've talked about this before in the podcast, like, you know, the tournament is almost the reward for doing all of that hobby. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, unfortunately in this instance, life just got in the way and it kind of got to two weeks out from the tournament and I was like, okay, the goalposts <laughs> have shifted. The goalposts have been shifted. Because, you know, being a, uh, a dad of a toddler and trying to also renovate a house and having a whole heap of other stuff going on, it was just, it was, just was not going to be mm. an option I think you know and work was like crazy no but uh, look we didn't actually have too much time no. from the tournament not from being announced but maybe from joining up well yeah committing yeah. to the sign up yeah, yeah, yeah. so you didn't have much time to begin with and then uh, as you say sometimes it's something you know we talked about off, off cam as well that unfortunately maybe hobby doesn't always get to be top spot in fact it's kind yeah. of the the opposite. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I was reflecting on um, uh, another podcast which I'm extremely fond of, which is kind of uh, petered out. Not petered out, but it used to be like a weekly podcast, right? Which, having now started making podcasts, <laughs> I have a huge <laughs> respect for meeting a weekly deadline. If if, if we meet a monthly deadline, <laughs> we're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, Paint All the Minis is the name of the podcast. And when okay. I, I, I highly recommend people go listen to it. And specifically, there was a three-part series that um, Dan, who is the creator of the podcast, did. I f- Look, it's going back, I would say, oh, it would be pre-COVID. So, 2019 is when those episodes came out. Okay. Um, and it's a three-part series talking about gaming sustainably really interesting um, uh, kind of conversation around what sustainable gaming means and and to kind of give you a, a brief snippet it's basically like you have to be realistic with the time that you've got mm. and um, make sure that it is sustainable and so that what that looks like for every person is obviously going to be different everyone's lives is different mm. you know some people have kids some people don't some people study sometimes people work full time um and so you know whether it's about setting like realistic goals of i want to have a game once a week 
once a fortnight, once a month. Doesn't matter what the increment is, but mm. make it sustainable for you so that it doesn't become a disappointment. So in this instance, as much as I would have loved to have a fully painted army, I had to make peace with the fact that it wasn't going to be fully painted. And I got to go to a tournament, which is a, you know, an awesome thing. Mm. And that was, you know, that was the thing that I focused on. Um, so the list that I've taken uh, is um, what I would kind of classify as a kind of a bog standard fiefdoms 500 pointer. <laughs> There's definitely two bog standard <laughs> things in there, yeah. Like, um, you have to go with Imrahil, check. Mm, now tell me, remind me again, uh, <laughs> how big is his banner? Because what's the, you know, what's the biggest banner you can think of in the game? Like six inches? <laughs> Is that, is that the biggest banner? Wait, it's it's effectively a 24-inch banner, right? Because he's mm. 12 inches both ways, plus the 40 mil banner. So let's just round it out to a nice, even 25 and a half. There, I don't foresee there to be any real situation where I don't get full coverage of that banner. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's pretty nasty. Um, and then the second hero is, of course, Forlong the Fat, because... He is just so points efficient. Yeah, like we don't talk about the game too much in these army bits, but Fallong is a super points efficient model. Mm. 80 points, right? Base? Yeah, and then he with a horn. Like he comes yeah, with a war the horn. The horn, that's the crazy part. Um, and a war spear, which means you always put him on a horse. Um, and away you go. So um, and, and three wounds, so he's a nice and chunky boy. And strength five. Strength five. With a lance. Well, pseudo lance. Wishy, wishy. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> like, like I say, it, the, I kind of view this as a bog standard, um, or how I perceive a bog standard fiefdoms list to be constructed. I'm still, like, learning the army. I've only played a couple of games with it. Um, <clears throat> so, I understand on paper that it's all about synergizing the heroes together, and once they die, the whole list kind of falls apart. Um, but at 500 points, I had a handful of uh, knights on foot, uh, three swan knights uh, on horse uh, with Imrahil, and then a, a handful of Blackroot Vale archers as well, and then um, the four long, oh, and some uh, some of the pikemen as well, the men at arms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Forlong just had um, his axemen of Lossanark. Um, so tried at least to keep the wall bands a little bit themey, like yep. Forlong's just leading his lads and Imrahil's leading everyone else. Um, but the interesting thing, or the thing that I find interesting about this army is it is nearly entirely 3D printed. Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm looking at them right now and there's some nice sculpts. Do you want to, do you want to maybe go through them? Yeah, sure. Um, the, so... To give a bit of context, the, when I saw... These are all um, Medbury miniatures. So I think we've talked about um, mm -hmm. Andrew Medbury mm -hmm. on the podcast the man, before. The, I, the legend. <laughs> I am quite a fan. Um, so uh, I saw the sculpts of these... Um, the Swan Knights in particular. Yes. And I had a collection of old school metal Dilamra. I had, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had, um, I had Prince Imrahil. I had a fall on the fat, and I had, I think, eight pikemen or mm. metal, metal mm. pikemen too. None of this wobbly uh, resin pikes. Mm -hmm, um, mm. And I sold them all. I sold them, and I had actually I had the 
the very rare mounted Dolamroth Captain as yes. well, which I think is quite a rare model. I sold them all as soon as I saw the um, the sculpts from Medbury Miniatures. Yeah. Um, purely, not purely, but one of the key reasons. So they are, I would say, because the Games Workshop sculpts, they're not based on the movies. No. They're not wetter. And, and they certainly don't look wetter if you look at their helmets. The the three foot tall helmets. <laughs> uh, they, they have a an interesting uh, aesthetic, let's just go with. Very high fantasy. I was having shower thoughts uh, the other day before we started recording, recording this and I was thinking uh, logistics, like if you, like they should have come with a special rule if they get dismounted. Um, and they roll anything lower than a five, they die because they break their neck. They break their neck. Because the helmet is too, (laughs) too heavy. Um, but so like, I, I, in case you haven't figured out, I'm not a big fan of the GW big, um, big fluffy helmets with the huge wings. Mm. Um, and Medbury has a similar design aesthetic, although it is distinctly different, I feel. Um, still has the wings, but they're proportion that proportionally they feel more realistic. Well, I actually, uh, given the discussion on helmets, that's the bit that strikes me the most about these guys is their little faceplate thing. Yeah, it looks fucking sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something about uh, Med- Medbury's very good at having a really good understanding of how geometry kind of can, I don't know, infer a feeling or an emotion like. They're, they're a concave yep. faceplate, which for me makes them feel much more aggressive mm. and like in your face and like, I'm going to mess stuff up. Well, um, and, and in a, in a literal sense, given the, the shape, it would actually deflect like a sword blow along itself rather than, yep. you know, a rounded thing, which will just. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, you know, we've talked about it before. He does a lot of, um, research into actual, um, you know, historical military, um, design. And so it really shows in the full harness of the armor that they're, that they're, um, sporting the Knights, um, which is great. They, they are such an amazing model to paint. Um, and, and the detail is, it's like, it's crisp without being kind of overbearing, you know, Mm. um, when these designs were released, I didn't have a 3d printer, but I knew that I wanted to support more of that kind of content. Mm-hmm. So I sold all of my um, G-Dub Dol Amroth and I became a Patreon um, of Medbury um, because I just thought the, 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 the approach that he had was top-notch and well, that, that was something that I really wanted to get behind. So I feel vindicated, uh, what, like 18 months later, mm, having bought a 3D printer and now printed my own army. And um, it's at this point in the discussion where, you know, we, we reveal that we're renaming ourselves the two Medbury <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, look. Yeah, it does feel like we are starting to uh, become something of an advertising service. Um, no, but it's, it's um, you know, it's one of those things where when you find something that you... Um, really enjoy and you're passionate about and and like the the axeman um, 
of uh, Lossana. They're beautiful models as well. Um, I haven't, um, uh, as of yet, got to the Klansmen, but again, like they're they're beautiful sculpts um, in their own right as well. So the the Klansmen, at least, they're a lot less uh, bulky than their they G-dub are. Lossanark boys. They are. They've slimmed down. Uh, I think that's just uh, part of it. Is um, like if we look at the proportions. Um, they're, they're much more in line with kind of historical figures. Mm. Um, so like the, if you, if people have, um, bought any of the Perry twins, um, historical figures after they left G-Dub, they've got this really kind of slim trim kind of proportion to them. Mm. And, and I think Medbury, I don't want to talk on his behalf, but I think he, he kind of, um, takes some cues from those kind of proportions. Yeah, which right. which sets him apart from a lot of the other 3D sculptors out there. Not just for Lord of the Rings, but I think in general. Yeah. Like, there's this propensity to bulk things up. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Like, there's there's an element of the the heroic scale which morphs proportions. Um, well, everyone knows extent. bulging muscles look way cooler. That's, so let's just tank everyone up. And yeah, it's yeah. easier to paint too. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like the, the, the Swan Knights for me, are probably the centerpiece of this army, um, having Forlong on a horse without having to chop up a Forlong and mm. convert it is also very, very handy. Um, and then the Blackroot Vale Archers, again, I didn't get a chance to paint something, um, bespoke for, yes. um, this, um, tournament. So I was just rocking the old... Um, ranges of Middle Earth, um, which are perfectly serviceable, um, and were some of the best painted models in my army because they were actually finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and look, that's that's what you meant to use, right? Rangers of Middle Earth. That's kind of the whole shtick. Is they go in like four different armies at this point. Um, so Although I feel like I feel like. Um, there was a White Dwarf article many, many moons ago where they converted uh, Archer of Rohan as the base oh, model. Oh, interesting. For a Blackroot Vale Archer. I think this obviously was before um, the actual fiefdoms release. Mm. There was like a White Dwarf that talked about the fiefdoms and they had... It was cool actually because they had more of the fiefs represented. They actually had... They had Axemen of Lossanar. They also had um, the the green knights from Pinath Galen. Cool. Right? Cool. That was one of the few named um, fiefdom factions that were highlighted in the book. Yeah. Um, they heroically all died, I think. Oh, the really? Pelinor. They've done well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But Not heroically. Was, yeah, yeah. Very heroically. Um, and I kind of wish... Were my they... boys from Pelagia there? No, they weren't. Oh, actually, no. I think they might have. Yes. Sorry. I think they might have. And again... For the Pelagia Marines, they did use a Rohan with a spear. Right. Good, good. Throwing spear as, as the base. Um, but, um, so I actually don't think that the Rangers are the right fit yeah, for okay. the Blackroot Vale. Be- and I say that because I feel like the Blackroot Vale archers are perhaps, I don't want to say like more... Um, uh, British longbowman type vibe, mm. but just I don't feel like they were archers. 
they weren't necessarily rangers. Yeah, they weren't like sneaky boys. That yeah. was the point. All right. Yeah. So we got some foreshadowing of maybe some conversions that's going to happen here. Maybe. I don't know. I'm still in two <laughs> minds about it. I mean, Medbury do some really lovely ranger-esque models that are less sneaky boy. Yeah. So I might use those. Yeah, okay. Might okay. use those. But we'll see. We'll see how, how that plays out. Anyway, um, the, the list, I think... Um, like, there, there's a broader theme that I'm building up to in our slow grow, which yes. we'll get into when we do that episode. Um, but, uh, look, I'm, I'm really happy with um, how the, the models um, kind of came together from a 3D printing point of view. Um, but I will say this, right? And we talked about this off air. One last thing before we wrap this up. I don't know about how you paint, Geordie, but when I'm painting an army, I like to do it in little bits, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this was the first time where, because we were doing this slow grow, I kind of had the full 700 point army that I would build up to at the end. Ah, yes. Right? Yeah, I see where you're going. So yeah. it's like, and, and there was a deadline around having my 3D printer set up uh, versus being packed away. So I had to print everything for the army in one hit. So then I had the full 700 points and I assembled them all and I primed them mm. and then I looked at them all. It was all lined up in front of you. It was you. all lined up and I was like, geez, that's a lot of models to paint. Mm. And I also overprinted because this is a thing with like 3D printing. It's like, oh, I've got a little bit of extra space. I'll just chuck another guy on even though I don't need it. So In like, case there's a miscast or something, I'm sure. Yeah, or like, you know, in case I change my list down the line. Like, true, what if I true. do want an extra six nights on horse (laughs) small changes yeah (laughs) small tweaks tweaks um and so i printed all these models and i had all these models primed and i was like that's a lot of models to paint because the the way that i usually approach painting an army is like i will pull out eight models um and i'll like clean them up assemble them prime them and paint them Mm. and then rinse repeat so like it's not efficient but I don't have to look at all of it. Yeah, well, it's, it's small goals. Small goals. Yeah. 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 And also, I like to mix up what, I, like, what I'm doing. So, it's not just constant painting. Like, sometimes I want to assemble a model. Yeah, gotcha. Sometimes I like just priming a model. Or, um, you know, often when I'm doing big converted armies, I like to break it up. So, like, I'll convert four models, then I'll paint them. And then I'll go back and convert four more models and then I'll paint them. And that way I'm doing different type of hobby. So I don't just feel like, ugh, when will the painting ever end? You know <laughs> what I mean? But that, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that that's my approach. What's your approach? Well, it's very funny because I'm, I'm very much the, the opposite. I, the way that you've done this army, that's my norm. So I will collate the whole army. Um... So I just gather all the models from various storages and all that sort of stuff, get them prepared, uh, tuck them in front of me. Um, then I go, yes, here's my army, sweet, let's get going, spray them and uh, yeah. go from there. Now, in saying that, what I do is I'll, I'll have them in like, I don't know, a tray or a tub or something yeah. in my room. Like a project box. Yeah, project yeah. box. Um, and I'll grab, at the moment I'm painting in, in threes. Interesting, um, okay. Which I found it's enough to fixate on details but it's enough that it's a batch paint in a in a way whereas painting like fives and sixes you start cheating whereas this it's kept me in line anyway so i'll grab three models out 
painting. I, th- I think that's that. really interesting though. Like this is something that I'm starting to grapple with as well is like how many, at what point does batch painting tip over and become really un- <laughs> unenjoyable? And I agree. Like when you got, start getting up into the five and six, it's like, shit, like I've just spent a night bloody doing the blue yep. and nothing yep. else. And you can't get much else because it takes so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, that kind of feedback loop between starting and finishing something becomes longer, therefore it become, feels like more of a grind. I mm. actually, I've developed a new technique to combat that, which is I will um, base coat in batch and mm. then finish individually. Whoa. So right. I, I will base coat, say... Yeah, six models, okay, that's right? pretty good actually. And yeah. I'll put the five models away and then I'll just do the, the highlighting yeah. and give it the love on just the one model. And I actually f- have found, I don't know if it's efficient enough because I haven't been doing it for a while, but I tell you what, it is super enjoyable. Well, I like the concept here, Carlos. The parts where you rush is the base coat because who cares? It's going to get covered up yeah, anyway. Right, right. And then the parts that you should be intricate, yep. the, the highlights, and then yep. bam, you've you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I might give that a crack. I, I like I I've only just started it, but the thing that I've noticed is that I can sit down with a base coated model and pretty much finish it in an evening. Mm. And from start to finish, that is such a rewarding feeling to go at the end of the night. I painted that model and put it back on the shelf, you know, with the rest of the base coated guys and then I'll do the <laughs> the basing wall at the end together. Yeah. Um but yeah it's 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 um it's a different way of doing it. So there you go. Yeah, very good. Um you know, get them nice and tournament ready. And guess who else is tournament ready? <laughs> you can't just gesture with your hands up. <laughs> You've got to speak. <laughs> I forgot that we're only an audio podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Who else is ready, Jordy? <laughs> well, it's me and you, baby. Let's go. Let's go. So it begins. Alrighty, g'day, guys. Jordy here at the end of round one of Axe or Sword, and I'm here with my grudge opponent, Jude. Yes, yes. Uh, axe or Sword or Bow, as my army yeah. was, um, <laughs> idea was. Um, so the the grudge actually, of course, wasn't against you because you're a cool dude. It was it was the fact that we just never play each other at tournaments. Yeah, we played the one time because I was racking my brains with Matt if I've ever played you, mm. and the one time we have was literally four plus years ago when we were at the doubles tournament. Oh yeah, and yeah. You had I can't remember who your partner was, um, and then I was teamed up with Matt, and I had Rangers of Mirkwood. With Matt playing Dale, and we had that army. That and is then a you lot of had Ents and oh, more Ents. Oh no, the Ent event. Oh, I got. Yeah. Look, I got stomped at that Ent event, so don't feel bad. Every yeah, single yeah. army we came up against, we just got decimated. Yeah, you had. I remember you having really unlucky rolls, and then we just like tore through because Toriel just went in with like plus one to wound and shit. Because then yep. Dale, like, I can't remember what we worked out. We oh, it was. All the Dale people had the plus one to yeah, win. Yeah, and Toriel went yeah. in and like won the combat with her fight six, and then the Lakeman just went stab stab. Yeah, it was it was brutal, but yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's repressed in my <laughs> that's far repressed. Let's go on to yes, more yeah. for, uh, current matters. So the list you brought today, you actually already mentioned. Yes, yeah, so Ranger Mirkwood. Um, 
I get shit all the time from Kylie and Matt, who are my main general opponents who I play with most of the time. Because um, despite the fact I've been playing this hobby for ages, I literally play Rohan and nothing but Rohan. Um, I, I play lots of different types of Rohan, mind you. Um, <laughs> sometimes we do Theoden, sometimes we'll do Theodrid, sometimes oh. we'll do... Never gambling, though. I hate gambling. Too cheesy. Yeah, nice. Um, Good one. Well, I mean, he got nerfed, but he's still pretty he's still, strong. He still just feels cheesy Still very like, strong. Yeah, yeah. Have your might and use it is how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, then, oh, and also, fuck the Rise of Thade and Legendary Legion. That can die. I hate that so much. Dude, um, that's, that's pretty strong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't touch it. Um, um, how about having eight free might on a turn? Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's that? You've got a bunch of captains and named heroes? Cool, off you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I, I tend to avoid, like, the cheesy... Ro I mean, I've been playing Rohan, like, multiple editions now. Yeah. Um, so I was playing them back when they were, like, really out of the meta. Yeah. Well, when they were in the meta, and then when they were out of the meta, and then when they're back in the meta. And they're back in. No, but it's, it's yeah, pretty yeah. interesting to, to have that sort of take on, on taking lists. Because yeah, it's yeah. like, um, you know, don't fear the man who knows a thousand kicks, fear the man who knows one kick. You know, that, yeah. that expression yeah. that I yeah. stuffed up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, so I thought I'd play a different army for once because I own a few other armies, but like I don't use them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's like I've got my Rangers of Mirkwood because I thought they're cool and then yeah. I've run them at like, I've run them at Minimize before, that's the only time I've really played them, so 300 points because you get like Legolas, Toriel, few Rangers and then like two Sentinels and yeah. then it's a neat little force. That's strong. Two yeah, Sentinels and Yeah, that was, um, I had a really good Minimize with that list. Um, I had a lot of fun, I had a really rough last game. Um, but that's we don't talk about yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that's the, we're, we're going on a bit of a tangent. Um, yeah. Point the, is, it's a fun army. The, um, it's a fun army, but the the models are also. Mm. I'm I'm just going to put it out there the best plastics that GW has done. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Like like I'm not. I'll be the first to say I'm not a big painter slash hobbyist. Yeah. I paint for like. To not, completion. Yeah, not like I've. I'll, I'll put in that like little bit extra to make it look better. But like yep. my personal skill as a painter has just never been great. Yeah. Like I can walk through the steps, but I just don't have a great eye or hand for the fine details. Yeah, I think. interesting. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like I'll go get it to tabletop worthy, and then see if I can get it a bit beyond that, especially yep. with heroes and stuff. But like I'm not, you know, whipping out the best painted models or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's all practice. But even then, yeah, it's like yeah. if it's not the part of the hobby that you care about, it's totally understandable that that you know that that's sort of the level that you aim to and and you achieve yeah, your goal. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that's really that's cool. Um, and I guess let's go on to the game mm. now. This was. I was actually super nervous coming into this one, yeah. given that you've got Elven Cloaks on everyone. Yeah. Luckily, uh, we rolled up onto an Azgiliath board. With, like, three buildings, no in the middle of the road terrain, um, big open channels, a big open bridge, and shallow water in the middle. So and, it was, uh, and so, as well as being on Osgiliath, we were also playing um, Domination. Yeah, yeah, we were. Um, yeah, look, it was, I think, because we were talking the other day about it, because um, I suggested the grudge, and then you said <laughs> you may not want to grudge me, because I think you probably thought I was playing Rohan, I'd guess, maybe? No, no, I thought it, I thought it was the Rangers, uh, but okay. in my head, yeah. the Elven Cloaks counter Ghoulies fly, and that's yeah. sort of my one strength, is the yeah. fact that I yeah, can get exactly, to you exactly. and, and say what the first mm -hmm. engagement's mm -hmm. going to be mm -hmm. like. But yeah. with you having, like, mono cloaks, I was like, if there's a single forest on the board... Yep. I'm hard uh, counting. Yeah, or even just any cover 
Like just yeah, because literally one barricade in that street that most of the fighting went down yep. would have changed everything. Yeah, then you couldn't have got the compel off. Um, yeah, which that's yeah, fine. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I guess we'll get into the opening maneuver. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, I had I called the march, mm. and you were just sort of you got you went first and just shimmied backwards. Yeah. Um, and then I moved everyone up. Gully within three inches of a model and a, yep. and, a, and a supporting banner as well within yeah, three inches yep. of a model. And I've called a, a bit of a cheeky move. And got the Witch King to compel one of your yes. rangers into Gully. Yes, yes, which caught me off guard a bit because I forgot you could do that of compel. And um, I stood still in reaction to your march because my entire plan there was um, sink every single shot into Gully yeah. and spend, yep. burn all of Legolas's yeah. might, burn all of Toriel's might because everyone could see him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I knew he's a nuts that, big model. Yeah, exactly. I knew wherever he ended up, I'd be able to see him. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that was kind of the game plan there. So that's why, I mean, Helicolas was there. Yeah. He was too good at his job because he was there as bait to get you in. That's why Toriel was kind of the side so we could create a nice shooting yeah. alley and yep. then just go in. Uh, but then that whole compel situation just threw me. Yeah. Um, oh, huge swing. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Live and learn. Um, I think I still, after that, because that was pretty disastrous, and yep. then the heroic combat and everything, pretty disastrous, um, I think I could have come back from that. Oh, yeah. And I had a fair crack at it, I'd like to say. Um, but the dice just didn't let me take that comeback, yeah. I think. And I think you did You did the right stuff, so you ended yeah, up... Yeah. What, it, what was your game plan after that? It was sort of... Um, minimise your points and maximise mine. So yeah. that's why I was going for as much one model suppression on Gully as possible to stop him getting the moves across the board and shit. Yeah. Um, and then just, I mean, you saw with Toriel's Warband, I put them into the most combats I possibly could just to yeah. try and cut and break you. Well, well, that's um, it. You you went for the orcs, I yeah. guess you would say, rather yeah. than the heroes. Yeah, exactly. Um, particularly Gully. Um, yeah. And you, like, sort of aim for the break and... Yeah, well, I think that's all you can do once I was in that situation of you're on top of me, I'm not getting away. Yeah. I can't really even just run away because Gully is fast enough to catch me if I try to break cover and run. Yep. I think I only had the choice left to go for as like maximum. I mean, I went for the burnout as much as I could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then just that turn when we had Toriel against two dudes, and then she ended up having oh, to sink. Yeah, she went for her combat against two random Angmar orcs, got the win on the fight, yep. and then fluffed her wound rolls and had to burn to kill oh that's right sorry so it was against one one orc with this had to burn yeah. to kill that one and then she went into two and only managed to kill one of those despite extra attacks yeah and, and that was, yeah, it was sort tough of, it was tough um <laughs> that might have like encapsulated the game because you had you won yeah. like 90 percent of the combat yeah with your elves, yeah and it was followed by like a three or a four yeah that's the thing like if it was because the whole like going in combat would have been a big misplay if you were a heavy armor army. Yeah. But the fact that I was wounding on fives, a lot of those because I had two plus attacks in most of those combats. Yeah. Because I was trying, I was doubling up the ranges on your orcs most of the time. Uh, obviously, you had the spear support, but then I yeah. had the two for the wound. For sure. Yeah. So I should have got at least a couple more orcs oh, throughout I think that game. So, yeah. Um, but it just yeah, you know, shit happens. Yeah, and the, yeah, the gully the, the gully situation was just a ticking time bomb. So well, you actually held him off because interestingly, yeah. with your legion, mm. your heroes are actually pretty good at anti-hero yeah, attack. They I can, guess so with the Merkwood Legion, the heroes with all of their attacks can do shielding for once, uh, which is very helpful for an army without a banner. So like I, 
I charge into like Legolas thinking, oh, it's yeah. two dice, no might, I got him. Yeah. And then you chucked four dice at me. I was like, oh, shit, of course. And then I think I charged Toriel as well, and she's thrown yep. six and back at me. And then she threw six and managed to hold off Glee for a couple turns, yeah. um, which was pretty huge. And then, um, yeah, because there was even that chance where she maybe could have knocked your banner and done a wound to the Witch King, but then yeah. this swayed was a bit. a bit yeah. of a mistake on my part. I charged, it ended up being four orcs, a wag, and the Witch yep. King into yep. Toriel. Yep. Um, I sort of, well, like only three were in base, sorry, four were in base contact. Mm. Um, and I didn't transfix you, mm. but I struck over you. Yeah. You rolled, what, six dice rolled, and got yeah. five. And then yeah. I rolled six dice got and five. got a five as well. With and then no might left. Somehow, I think I had 16 strikes or something thereabouts. I only and rolled one wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is you, insane. Yeah, because that was the turn you used your last might point to strike yeah. up. And then you, yeah. And then you, yeah. That was that was hectic. And then, because, uh, um, yeah, that was also the point when I was just losing every roll off. So I had to go oh. for the. Yeah, because I. <laughs> yeah, we had two heroic move offs. I think, I think that entire game, maybe it was like 14, 15 turns, maybe? Yeah. Yep. I think I had priority twice. Yep. And then lost every roll off apart from one, which was an Elven Blade. So if I'd lost that one, it would have been like oh, yeah. crazy, crazy. Um, <laughs> Absolute rub-ins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a tough game for that, but that's okay. Yeah, and, and the dice will just decide that sometimes. It was oh, yeah, it was no, brutal. It's, it's hard because you don't want to be on the other end of it either. Like yeah, every, every time I yeah. want a roll off, I'm like, come on, give him one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, it gets a bit like that. Um, um, yeah, no, it was, it was yeah. Um, good game, Fragma. But <laughs> yeah, God, it, it sort of displayed what Gully can do. He just one-shotted all oh, three of your yeah, heroes. Yeah, and yeah. The orcs held up long enough, and yeah, yeah exactly. ended up sort of. I ended up holding four objectives to your one. Yeah, uh, the yeah, Witch I King got, got burnt out. Yeah, Witch King burnt out. Legolas got splattered. Um, <laughs> that's probably the easiest way of saying it. You were broken in the end. I just yep. managed to kill enough. Exactly. Yeah. I was obviously courted uh, to end the game. And then, yeah, that, that was pretty much it, eh? Yeah. Because you got all the other objectives, but I managed to hold on to that last one with Courage Test. I thought the Courage Test that game were also hilarious, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, I think... You're in Harbinger the whole time, but still, even at Courage I'm four, still double your Courage. Yeah. And yet, I passed, like, half as many Courage Tests as you, I think. Yep, yep. I had to take was, a few Eldegar Madrigals. Yeah. And even a, a Wag Dismount that passed as well. Yeah, so, yeah, the Wag Dismount with the double six. I think I failed was, one out of four tests on Courage 2. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, it was crazy. Um, but it was a cool game. Courageous Orcs, Courageous Orcs. Yeah, very Courageous <laughs> Orcs. Um, it was a cool game, and it was, mm. like, a really good attempt on your part to claw back. I think your idea of breaking me, Gully could have ran. Like, he's only Courage 4. Yeah, cause um, especially because the thing that... Sorry, the last thing I left out there was when I got the um, Sentinel go on Gully, yep. and Gully failed his Courage test and had to use all of all his three. remaining I think will. I got a three, so yeah, I had to spend all yeah. three. Um, yeah, exactly right. Um, that's when I went, like, okay, I have to go for the break on the Orcs and see... Because yep. I had the potential to break you in, like, two turns of combat if I rolled well. <laughs> if you rolled um, statistically average. Yep. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Well, maybe a bit above average, which, you know, if you can't rely on that, but a yep. bit of a Hail Mary, uh, because then Gully, Courage 4, no will left. he yeah. be out. Good shotty um, runs, yeah. And then the rest of the orcs on your objectives could flee. Yeah, um, well, that's it. I was holding... Yeah. I broke on the exact last turn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was holding three of my objectives with yeah. an orc. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. you could have easily swung it. If I broke a turn earlier, yeah. Yeah. they all run. Yeah, Game exactly. ends at, like, four all or something like that. So yeah. you did well yeah. to, to come back, I think. Yeah, no, it was... Um, yeah. Try it, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, brilliant. Thanks for the game, Jude. And no, it, was, it was great to play you. 
All right, so Albert here after the end of uh, round one. I'm joined by my opponent, Anthony. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. So um, before we get into the game, let's just talk a little bit. Um, do you want to tell the listeners a bit about your army, the theme, and what you've got going on today? Yeah, so I bought uh, three trolls. Well, only two of them because don't have points for all three. Mm. Um, and then I allied in Goblin Town because what's better than the other troll? The Goblin King. Well, Much better. So I thought. <laughs> uh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. spoilers. Um, um, so it's a cool army. I, I really like it. And you've, you've also got the scribe in there as well. Yes, right? the cheeky so, scribe, bringing on more models. Which is great because you've got a pretty low model count, but Very then eight, model. it, it, eight models, yeah. but it, it grows pretty quickly, right? Depending yeah. on the scribe. Oh, absolutely. Uh, depending on the scribe, bring more models in. But then there was a last minute decision to bring Golem. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, should have bought 10 goblins instead of one. <laughs> um, but the lesson learnt. Yeah, look, it's it's kind of a good tool to have and maybe uh, depending on deployment, um, it might have changed if he was um, put down somewhere else on the board. Speaking of which, let's get into um, deployment. And you, before we do that, actually, what were your thoughts uh, about the matchup before we started when you saw I was running the fiefdoms? Um, pretty confident. Trolls, trolls are trolls, you know. Yeah. Brutal power attacks, uh, and then the three trolls, they've got their own special brutal attacks. So, like, uh, i got so much technical and all that to yeah. do. But uh, I thought, oh, there's a couple of horses, plus one charge, that's all right. No worries. Easy. But no, I didn't think I was going to end before anyone by an hour, but <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty quick uh, matchup. Talk about deployment. Um, we were playing uh, Domination, so capturing the five objectives um, around the board and they were pretty well scattered um, and I definitely didn't want to be um, within that charge range to, to cop the trolls turn one so I kind of deployed a little bit back. Um, talk about um, your thoughts in terms of your deployment. Um, definitely a big mistake putting them, putting the three big guys right at the um, uh, front, front line and centre. I think spending more time moving them up the board while bringing more goblins on safely mm. and bringing those goblins with my big guys mm. and running them all together would have been way better having all the supports all the numbers you need you know because it's only break if you kill the originals so yeah and it seems like the longer that the game goes on the the more kind of momentum your army can Ab get right? absolutely the more more kills came out of the goblins coming on onto your little guys than yeah. the actual troll itself yeah 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 um, only one troll got to kill anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, let's, let's get on to the kind of the opening turns. I think things, it's fair to say that things started pretty unluckily for you from the, from the get-go when you charged one of your big trolls into a Lone Ranger or, yeah. or Blackroot Vale Archer. Yeah. Um, do, you want to, do you want to talk about how that all panned out? Yeah, so charged um, the biggest, baddest troll of them all into a Lone Ranger and... Um, yeah, somehow he lost the fight. Um, might have a chat to him a bit later about that. Um, and then, then what? Uh, you needed sixes and you got the six. And I, I was got like, the six. Oh, my God. Uh, let's try the fate. And fate didn't go through. I was like, oh, yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't believe my luck, to be perfectly honest. It was kind of a crazy... Um, crazy roll and to put a wound on that early um yeah. it kind of opened it up to um so that was was that bill the troll yeah that was bill first yeah. turn losing a wound that that's massive huge and he was kind of within charge range of Imrahil and forlong for yeah. turn two 
So I managed to charge in their strike up and strike up with Imra Hill and do the heroic combat on Forlong, um, which went off because they've got the pointy spears. Pointy spears, Love which it. put on a whole lot of hurt there. And then from that heroic combat, managed to slingshot around to the Goblin King mm. um, and win that fight. And then I put on nine wounds, I yep. think it was. Put on nine wounds, managed to save half of them, but then it just wasn't enough, you know? Yeah, so, you know, turn two of combat to take down, um, you know, two of the big monsters. It was a, it was a pretty big swing and... Um, like that's a hard one to kind of come back from. I yeah, think. definitely. After losing the two big models, momentum was like, oh yikes, you know. Got one troll, see what he can do. Which he held out to the end of the game, you know. Didn't run away. Didn't. I only lost the fight in the last turn, so like. Yeah. And yeah. He, he would have kept going, you know. Keep game keeps going. Maybe he could have done some more things. Yeah, and I think it like ultimately, if the two trolls ha had been reversed. Like, uh, in terms of Bill and Tom, so yeah. the guy that halves fight, if he had have been in that first combat, I probably wouldn't have been as confident to go in with Imre Hill because he's got that yes. special rule that where he halves the fight yes. um, with his sneeze. And then halving, you rolled up to a, um, a fight value of nine. Yeah. So, well, even halving that, four and a half, technically. Yeah. Um, I still won, I won that fight then. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. maybe they went base contact, a bit of a different uh, deployment from start would have been way better. Yeah, and I think maybe um, Gollum, because he was out on the flank and he kind of spent most of the game trying to reposition and, and run away from uh, my cav. Um, maybe if he had been in the centre, again, there's somebody else that can halve fight. my fight yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, that makes it kind of impossible for me to deal with your big, nasty trolls. Okay. You, you won't be able to... Uh, over the top and in my fight. Yeah, exactly. Even if you roll a ten, or yeah. half that, I yeah. win. Yeah, you know? yeah. But um, look, it was it was a uh, it was a fast and furious game. Um, was. Thanks for the game, no, uh, and good luck you. in the next rounds. Thank you. You too. So, end of round one, Geordie. Talk us through your matchup. You were playing against Jude, and Jude. in a grudge, no match. Grudge match. Yeah. Um, here we go. So his ranges looked really cool. Um. We were fighting, for whatever reason, in uh, Osgiliath. The yeah. classic Angmar and Merc would meet in the middle that's also uh, way out of the way. Who knows? We've, been all, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> fighting all over Middle-earth. Um, yeah, so it started with a bit of a gotcha moment, which I felt really bad about. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned it ten times in the interview. Because yeah. he played Kylie heaps, and like I know he was one of her like sort of little trainees, apprentices, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought because she's got played Angmar heaps, I thought he might have versed that style list before. And of course, if Kylie's got a trick, she's going to pull it on you. I thought maybe he had versed it a few times. And you were talking about the compel into combat turn one. Yeah, sorry, the compel into combat, yeah, like yeah, compelling yeah. some rando into Gulabar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, heroic combating and going to proceeding to mince things up. And that's, it was a huge momentum swing. Yeah. Um... Like, I think it was three or four dead rangers. Which is big in turn and one. Sentinel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, turn one to come back from that. And it, but it's also just the psychological loss of that as well, of being on the back foot and feeling like you're not in control. Mm. Right? Um, so that's, that's a hard one to, to come back from. But it sounded like he 
he flipped over into, okay, I'm in a bad spot. Yes. How can I maximize my position? Which is fantastic. Right? Yeah. Which is what you've got to do in that situation. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you meant that because it, it did. It's, it's, you've got to make do with what you've got at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. Turn, turn one, he thought, look, I'm safe with his houses. Mm. He's, I'm marching. Like, I'm marching, so he can't charge me. Mm. Oh, wait, he can. Oops. What yeah. do we do now? How yeah. can we salvage this? Yeah. Um, and Torio's warband came in and, and managed to hold their own for a little while. And uh, yeah. yeah, as you heard in the interview, it did pretty well. Um, Gulliver just eventually chewed everyone up. But... It's, it's hard because that list doesn't really have a counter to Gulliver. Like, no. You know, you. Uh, unless, unless they can remain in cover and avoid mm. it that way. However, they can only do that for so long because Gully can fly directly over the line. Yeah, and get behind them, and and once he can see them, he can eat them. Yeah, the if there was if we were maybe on a different board, and I think me and Jude were just even saying this before the game. If we were on any other board, I reckon he was just nine out of ten to win this. If there was a single forest, yeah, I'm like, what can I do? I've got to march, you know, all the way out to you. And yeah, I think recently FAQ'd that um, profiles with monstrous charge that aren't cavalry do still get it in the forest. So there. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm glad they did that because it's things like cave drakes. And yeah, of course, big bad gully. Yeah, still, still inhibited his move speed. Yeah, but he still gets the monster charge, which is great. Yeah. So you know, there's maybe still good. a chance, but like if he was able to camp for long enough where I can't compel him because mm. I need to be within six to even compel, which yeah. at that point it's like moot anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I reckon he he would have had a good shot against me because if he just shoots and does two to three wounds. To Gully, yeah, slows him right down. And with Leggy and plenty of might, it's a real shot. Yeah, and and then you've got to play much more defensively with Gully, which mm. is 200 points doing not a great deal. Probably eating one or two elves, yeah. Although I will say that, you know, the fact that you had the artifact of unimaginable <laughs> power on him, pumping him up to defense seven... Probably negates some of that shooting yes, threat, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, like, this was kind of the reason to, to wear that armour for moments like this, where yeah. he can get peppered, or, yeah. like, there's a chance he can get peppered. Yeah. Because, like, Gully just doesn't lose combats, right? Like, that's not his that's not his MO. No. He just wins and eats you. Yeah. Um. So, shooting is, is like, his nemesis. So, yeah. I guess that's what the, the Defence 7 uh, armour of... Gon- no, not Gondolin. Whatever it was Whatever called. Whatever it was called. The Artifact of Unimaginable Power. Um, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right, and so, Albert, your game one, how did we go? Game one uh, came out of the gates racing away to a 12-0 victory, <sighs> like you've never heard on this podcast before, dear listener. So we mentioned in the interview, you know, with the scenario being domination, if Anthony had of, um, uh, deployed further back, he could have brought on more goblins from different board edges, threatened a lot of the different... Um, uh, objective markers and really forced me to probably split up my force, mm. which he can then deal with with his big heavy hitters and um, tools like you know Golem having fight values and um, Bert also effectively having fight values with his sneeze. Yeah, of any of the lists on the day that I can think of, I think he has easily the best shot at at one shotting a full stat Ember Hill. Hundred percent. Hundred um, percent, and I, I, I knew when he deployed further up, and he he um, had Tom 
in a position I could see would very comfortably fit two cavalry bases for mm. Forlong and Imre Hill. I was like, I only have one chance to pull this off. And it's interesting. I was thinking about it afterwards. Often, um, I think the difference between a good player and a less than good player is that a good player will often um, have the momentum and dictate the momentum by taking initiative, mm-hmm. right? And the other player is then forced to react. So a lot of the games that I play, I'm reacting. <laughs> and, and, and this was one of the few times where I was like, okay, I have a very clear plan. This is how I'm going to build right. my momentum, right? So the slingshot um, of killing Tom and the Goblin King was like a rare moment of clarity where I was like, that is what I need to do yeah, in order to yeah. shift the tempo in my favor. And so that was a, a combined heroic combat and heroic strike. Combination. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The double down. And uh, so, took down Tom, slingshot around into the Goblin King. And I think I put on like nine wounds. Um, he's, he saved half of them with yeah, his blubbery Yeah, he's got the mass, chunky save. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, still wasn't enough. Damn. Um, took him down in one go. What? And so, like two massive 60 mil base holes, um, dear listener, which you'll see on the Instagram. I kind of took a, a cheeky before and after photo of um, the state of play. Um, and it's very hard to come back from that um, yeah. once you lose those two hitters. I mean, that would be half his points. Yeah. But also, it's like, you you build lists to have a dynamic. And he's, if, he's, if his anvil is goblin, then his hammer is those two. And he didn't have enough uh, of an anvil. So, you mm. know, once the hammer was down, I managed to get out the back and take down the scribe and um, the goblins. I, I don't think that we touched on it in the interview, um, but um, Anthony had, um, he had started uh, painting his army. He So, he'd painted the goblins and they were really sick. Right. Um, they're like, you know, classic gross um, goblins. Few bu- few bu- bu- yeah, yeah, skin yeah, conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, it's wretched. Um, and, but he, he hadn't um, got around to finishing off the, the big boys. So, if the little guys are anything to go by, I reckon next uh, time we yeah. face off, those those big guys are going to look real nice. Oh, that's where he's gone wrong. You, you know, if the model's not painted, they're this not going to the roll thing. well. This is the thing. I mean... Oh, but yours weren't either. Hold on, hold on. I had painted Imre Hill ah, see, yep. on horse well, because yep. I knew Geordie. My list relies on him <laughs> performing well, so he had to be painted well. The other guys, not so much, not so much. Um, but no, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was a short, uh, opening round and I, um, came away with a 12-0 victory. Now, here's the problem, Geordie. Mm. My plan going into today was to have a wolf pack, right? Yes. And you I had the puppies. I, I had some beautiful, um, And this would have bought you all of them, right? I would have had them all. I would have literally had my wolf pack game one. Um, I had, uh, I think they're from Warlord Games, um, they're uh, historical miniatures and they're like the, there's Irish, um, warriors that have like a wolf pack with them, sick little doggo models. And I had them painted up, um, actually for a battle companies, uh, league that never really got off in Geelong. Um, and I was again going to have a wolf pack in that yeah, battle yeah, company because yeah. that's what you do. Uh, but I left them at home, didn't I, Jordy? Mm, they they were <laughs> not like half an hour into the trip. Did you go? Well, I don't have my dogs today. 
what else did I forget? I also forgot the artifact of unimaginable power that you had very yes. kindly given very me. Very true. Um, uh. Which did come into it this game, but um, may come into it later. Um, the Im- would have given Imra Hill essentially fortified spirit. So, yes. you know, the one weakness that he has is magic yeah. and that kind of negates it. So... Two for two, forgetfulness. Um, and I'd even like packed everything the night before. So there's literally no excuse, yeah, no excuse. For, no. for not having those things on the day. Um, so as a result of that, being uh, bitter and twisted, I, I used my 12 victory points for evil uh, in the mm. sense that I... Greed. Yeah, greed. Mm. That's right. I bought um, Forlong the Fat a chariot because... Why not? I mean, the horse was getting a bit tired. The horse was know, getting a bit Buckling tired. under the weight. That's right. He needed two horses <laughs> and a box to carry him into, into battle. Um, no, but that's that's terrific. So, what was it? Was the chariot the full 12 or was it 10? I think it was 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah, okay. yeah, 10. But still a hefty investment. But I thought, you know, realistically, this is the only time I'm going to have this amount of VPs to sling around at buying something. So yeah, yeah. get it while it's hot. And, and and just a reminder, dear listener, all VPs spent on the black market do not go to your team score. Yeah, yeah. So, I was so only... you contributed a hefty two points <laughs> to your team. Is that right? Two points, two out of 12. Um, but uh, at least I, I kept my opponent scoreless. So it was effectively mm. a, a two nil... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It was it was greedy, and I don't regret it for a second. Oh, brilliant! Great, because I spent all my points. I contributed zero. What did you What did you buy? Uh, so I bought a war drum. Yeah. Which I believe I chucked on the captain. Yeah. And I bought two little birdies. So I got the. I think I got ten points. I believe. So I got the raven and the hawk. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm going to say those were the two. Yeah, the hawk. I got the raven and the hawk. Did you get a a wag as well? No, not in this one. Okay, that, yeah. was, that came yeah. later. Comes later. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So you've got two out of your five Pokemon. Two out of the five that I've got to collect. Very good. Yeah. You're nearly halfway there on round one. Yeah, easy. And I've got an, uh, a pretty easy round two opponent, so I'm told. So <laughs> let's see how we go. Let's go. G'day, guys. Jordy here at the end of round two. G'day, guys. Albert here at the end of round two. Wait a minute. This is this is unconventional. What are we both doing on the mic? Oh, I tell you what, this is uh, this is poor form. Ah. Um, so if you haven't guessed by now, uh, we played each other mm. very early in Two Towers uh, podcast history as it's well. This, uh, by my reckoning of unedited episodes that are still to be released prior to hearing <laughs> this, I would say that this is episode seven, but technically only the fifth tournament because we have a a 6.2 is that right yeah that's right um well what a eventful game i guess uh we'll get straight into it because you guys know the armies it was a gulliver v arnold not arnold fiefdoms action fiefdoms yeah forlong and imra hill although forlong like you have never seen him before Mm, now what what have you done to to poor forlong okay so uh as we have discussed there are opportunities to buy um war gear from the battle companies Mm. uh in between each round uh, and you basically trade in your VPs for said war gear. So I had a really good win in round one and thought this is probably the only time I'm ever <laughs> going to have 12 VPs to spend. So I bought a chariot for Forlong. Forlong the Fat 
on a chariot. That's pretty good. <laughs> it was it was pretty good. And to be honest, I think that is literally the only thing that saved me in this game. Yes, I, I would maybe agree with that. Mm. Um, and for my army, I did successfully get a few cheeky upgrades. I managed to get the Raven yeah. and the Falcon. Yeah. I've got two of my four Pokemon assembled. And notable too, because they did do some work. They got some flying. Yeah. And uh, that falcon, that's a fierce creature. So the scenario that we were playing was to the death. Mm, mm. So uh, essentially all around killing, leader kill, and banners as yep. well. So yep. banner-wise, you were always up from the get-go. I was winning 2-0. 2-0 yeah. the whole game through, baby. Straight out of the gates. And I had a pretty early shot to try and take down your banner. Mm. And I fluffed it. And I, I had probably two or three goes at the banner throughout the course of the match and just never even came close. Yeah, it's, it's funny because the the banner being on a WAG I think was a big defensive boon in this game because yeah. you charged, I think, twice with that knight. Yeah. Without the knockdown and without the... Yep. Well, I mean, you had the plus one, but with only one dice, it's very whiffable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I was very good at whiffing it. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the other thing that you bought which uh, played a big... Um, big role in the game was the war drums. Yes, I had a, a, a... I wanted to... I had the cheeky drum and march if I needed. Yeah. Um, this game, there wasn't a lot of pressure, so I just did the, the drumming. Yeah, it came in real handy. Yeah, because it meant that you could basically catapult Gulliver um, into threat range turn one. Yep. Which scared yep. the living bejesus out of me. Yep. Um, and I didn't really know how to react other than to send four long in thinking he's probably going to die anyway. But in retrospect, it was, I, th the, I think, the correct move because he was on the chariot, which made him super tanky. Yep. Yeah. So the, the first turn of combat, essentially, I had done the cheeky compel, the march compel. Uh, gets him every time. Um, mm. This is where Forlong managed to chariot through a wag into Gully. Mm. Um, no wounds on the impact, but uh, yeah, it, it meant it was a big difference because it meant one, I didn't get knocked down on you. Yeah. Which just removes your chariot full stop. Yep. And then it meant that I had in the ways, uh, yep. even if I won. Yeah, the in the ways were, were really critical. And I actually managed to, over the course of a couple of turns, chip away a couple of wounds on Gully as well. <laughs> which was um, very interesting. Which I, you know, I didn't see happening. I think there was one impact uh, wound and, and you uh, did a heroic defense uh, in one of the other rounds. And that... Yeah, you had pulled a strength. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which Gully's likely-ish to win that combat. Yeah. But you were... Potentially wounding me on threes or something yeah. with three attacks. Yeah. And that could more or less neuter Gully completely. Yeah. So the the Forlong um, kind of interaction was happening on one, one flank and you had kind of charged all of your forces up into that quadrant of the, um, of the board, which kind of left my main um, battle line in a bottleneck and mm. stymied for a lot of the game. Yeah, you were deliberately basing in Imra Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to me, was like, that's fine, because it means Imri Hill can't call heroic moves. Yep. So all I had to do was chuck orcs in front of the soldiers in front of Imri Hill. Yep. And just heroic move every turn, and Imri Hill's dead in the water. Yeah. Which worked, but all the while, for long, was not going down. Yeah, he stayed the course, and, um, like, there were a couple of critical uh, heroic move-offs. I think most of the roll-offs went my way. Yeah, you got the first two, um, which were the biggest ones. Which were really critical, because that meant that Forlong could charge uh, the Witch King and, and stop the Witch King from doing his magic shenanigans. Um, and then, uh, you know, I 
I passed just enough courage tests down there to um, let enough troops kind of tie up enough things to stop you from really gaining momentum. Yeah, so I did, um, as the Witch King was entering that flank, it was off of, I think, a knight who failed a terror. Yeah. So I got to spoopy test him. Yeah. So I spoopy tested him. Yeah. Charged with about eight models. Yeah. Uh, you can see where this is going, dear listener. Yeah. Heroic combated all like eight of those models into Forlong, who was already fighting Gulliver. Yeah, he had enough to deal with on his plate. And this right? was the big moment where I'm like, all right, he's dead. Yeah. How does he survive? Yeah. What was about six models wounding on fives? Yeah. Uh, one of them wounding on threes. Uh, yeah. But the, the in the ways and the various things just sort of... Well, you took down the, the chariot in that yes. turn. Gulliver accidentally hit the chariot twice. Yep. And only twice, funnily enough. Yeah, and then... Um, a spectre. spectre took down the, the courage of the chariot. <laughs> Struck it with his ghosty attack at the horses. That's right. Spooked him off. That's right. Um, and, and I think you ended up getting maybe one wound on Forlong that turn as well. Maybe it was two. Like, I think he actually did do some damage to him possibly. potentially one yeah, yeah 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 potentially one um but it was enough to like he he was basically facing 50 percent of the points of your army yeah, that turn yeah. and so that kind of gave me enough time i uh, through that whole process i was trying to bring my battle line around to bear yeah. never really got it properly deployed um and then after Forlong finally went down that's when gulliver um could have his way all the while i was actually happy with that engagement because, as you said, it's 50% of my army. Yeah. But you only had... You were only fighting maybe three or four orcs yeah. each turn at best. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one or two of them just shielded off as well. Yeah, and you were very critically, like you said before, you were putting in roadblocks. So Imrahil, even if he heroic combated, it was the difference between him killing one orc or two orcs a yep. turn. So there's no yep. point. You were right? gaining one inch and you were killing one extra orc. Yeah, exactly. Um, for a point of might, which, you know, eventually will, will matter. Um, so yeah, we, we got Forlong, yeah. the turn after. Yeah. He, he baited, I reckon, about five might total, yeah. this gentleman. Yeah. Um, and once he was down, Gully sort of did a cheeky heroic combat. Yep. Yeah, and flew over and then uh, you bowled the might. Bowled the might uh, out of Imrahil, out which of you love to see. Which I had to do, and I knew I had to do it, but God, it hurts. Yeah. You know, because you're there going, I'm going to spend a point of might that I know is going to basically the insurance company. One less strike, one less defense. I'll yeah, take exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but of course, in true bold fashion, I instead charged the model next to him. Yeah, and but then what did you do? Well, Daddy? it was a knight, and I lined it up as best I could, um, and I just threw him. Yeah. I just threw him straight at Imrahil. Yeah, yeah. And about six or seven other <laughs> models as well. It was a good, uh, it was a good hurl. If nothing else, you get Imrahil off uh, his horse, but also you put, um, you know, four or five guys on their bums. On their um, bums, yeah. And um, that kind of really stymied that whole battle line again. Um, and then you uh, finished off Imrahil, I think, a couple of turns later. He did take two turns of killing. Yeah. Uh, I think he may have successfully... I got a heroic defense. Defensed, yeah, yeah. that's right. Because I was prone, so I was like, do I strike, do I defense? And I think I made the right call in yep. defending, because you only yep. got one wound on that turn. Um, but then he was out of mind. Out of mind. And prone still, I think. Still prone, yep. Yeah, so he was gone. He was always gone. Um, but all the while, I need to put up orcs in the way to yeah. to keep it all to keep it all moving. Um, so it was all kind of going okay. You had, you know, with all my road blocking and all my, like, fidgeting with basing and all that sort of stuff, throwing a few orcs away, you had just gotten the break. 
Um, and I didn't break you at this point because I had just hero sniped. Right. And the the fashion from there is Gulliver just spends two or three turns and of course I'll eventually get you whilst ideally his courage holds. It's not horrible, but it's not great, but yeah. it should be fine. Yeah. Uh, and then... Well, then uh, David came around and said, um, this is the last round. Last turn. Dice down. Um, which... I think was really unfortunate because if David had have come literally, I would say two minutes later, yeah, then we would have been into the next round, um, and you would have broken me, mm. I think for sure. Yep. Uh, and that ultimately was the uh, the difference uh, in me winning. Yeah. Uh, so you had the break. I had the break. I had the leader, leader kill. Leader kill, because I left the Witch King chickly on one will. Uh, yeah. And didn't do pre-measuring. Turns out I was in range of a knight. Yeah. Um, it was like exaxies sort of sort of deal. Um, yeah. So it was it was very tight. Uh, one more turn, as we say, likely swings it back. Uh, I think definitely. And I, I kind of... It, it kind of feels like a, a Pyrrhic victory for me, like yeah. because I felt the whole time that I was losing. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, if if Forlong had have gone down even one turn earlier, oh, 100%. it would have meant that he uh, that you would have been able to snowball that flank so much faster and then yep. break me, and yep. then it would have been the opposite. Yeah, um, it would have been like two extra might on my sides. It would have been yep. yeah, like you said, an extra three or four wounds that translates to an extra two or three of my models living instead. Yep. Um, it's definitely the the sort of way that it goes though when. When you've just got that one character who doesn't want to budge, you know? I mean, I think there's a reason why the rules writers didn't give Fall on the Chariot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious. A war spear yeah. with strength five yeah. on a chariot? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit gross. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that as if uh, that's something scary where I don't have a strength eight flying model that's defense seven. But... Look, I, you know, I, because, so, dear listener, leading into this, you would have heard that my aim for today was to take uh, my dogs and just buy two dogs, right? I forgot the two dogs uh, <laughs> after we had left uh, my place, like, after 10 minutes of driving. Yeah, not two like, minutes in, you're like, oh, where are my dogs? No, no, it was too far, we couldn't do it. So I just switched into um, OP gamer mode. Instead of getting two dogs, I bought a chariot, so... Yep. Um, I'll suffer for my sins later. And uh, you will have heard, I've got two of my birds and I got enough points to scrape together for the dog. Uh, so we need to score eight points next turn to collect all three, all six Pokemon. So Whoa. I think we're still in it to win it. Yeah. Um, that's the ultimate aim for the day. And yeah. so I think we might get there. Yeah, well, uh, on that note, good luck in the final round. We better get back in there um, and uh, we'll check back in at the end of the day. And look, surprisingly, for the old tournament winner, 3-0, all hope rests with Albert. (laughs) You couldn't couldn't pick a more unlikely (laughs) champion to to place your your bets on. So uh, watch me fluff this uh, third round. All right, so round two, Albert. Uh, round who, two. Who were you playing against? Oh, a familiar foe. Yeah, fr- friend of the podcast, I friend think. Friend of the podcast, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a good, good game. Um, I f- like. I I think I said it in the interview. I felt like I was behind the whole time. But I tell you what, if I didn't have that uh, chariot, if I hadn't have yeah. gone <laughs> the greedy route uh, at the end of round one, would have been a very different game. Yeah, killing a chariot turns out it's pretty 
uh, pretty difficult. Well, Phil Forlong is a formidable opponent uh, mm. when he's on top of a chariot, and I think there's a very good reason why the rules writers <laughs> didn't give him one uh, in in the actual game. But um, look, I was I was pretty scared going into it because I just didn't really have an answer for Gully. Um, no. And I think if you had have tried to, I don't know, like maybe if you had have tried to get into Imrahil first, but then that's where all of my troops were. Yeah. And like, I think it was the right call going into Forlong. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is Forlong's got the Warhorn. Mm. So the reason I was targeting him, yeah, I think sure. I potentially mentioned it, is that he makes it so it's so likely that you charge. Yeah. Like Courage 4 and Courage 3, big jump. Big jump. Um, I say four because you would have been five minus one, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I figured, look, let's kill four long. Um, plus, I knew you were going to keep him real safe anyway. So Yeah, yeah. Which, look, you know, and I think you mentioned this in the podcast. I had basically, I'd based Imrahil out of doing yep, anything yep. for the, the vast majority of the, of the game. But, you know, I managed to kill just enough orcs yeah. in the end to to um, to break you. And it was just kind of dumb luck that that uh, that knight had a just enough to squeak into the mm-hmm. Witch King. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was dead anyway. But I was like, well, might as well go for the Hail Mary. Um, and I think that's what did it in the end was the, the Witch King getting popped. Uh, yeah, I think... You, you would have won anyway because it was null on points, I think, outside of that. But yeah. you had broken me. Yeah. And you would have broken me without the Witch King dying. So, yeah. you still would have eked it by a point. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Look, it was interesting as well because the that banner of yours dodged a number of times. <laughs> I think I had a, few, a good few um, cracks at it. Um, well, I mean, that's a good um, thing to mention is the, the banner on... It's like a mounted banner. Yeah. I've actually done this in an up-and-coming army that you'll hear about, dear listener, that I actually think the mounted banner's a pretty good get because it's so much safer to things like a, a, a random cavalry charge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that it's not as safe to is being manipulated by, like, spectres. Yes, but you can do the self-trap on that. Very true. If if that's if you're versing a caster, very true. Very true. Uh, if you're versing Angmar with three spectres and, and a witch king, then less so. But whatever, yeah, we, yeah. we'll come to that bridge when we get. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think it's a good shout, and, and having the the um, mobility. I mean, I think you had mentioned it, but you know, if Gully's you know marching twenty inches mm-hmm. up the board, you probably want to have that banner as close behind as possible yeah. to to support it. Um, there was a point uh, in the very early um, opening turns where I think you had slightly mispositioned uh, your Witch King. I don't know if you remember this, but it was just inside charge range for Forlong. Um, and I was like, hey, because I, oh, yeah. I was like, man, I would love to go into the Witch King right now, yeah. pop him right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, obviously that was not your intent. And so <laughs> I was left with the decision of going yes, into, right. into yeah, Gulliver. Right. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going into Gulliver. Yeah, because I'd march everyone up. Yeah, so I yeah, just yeah, willy-nilly yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Gully, the placement on Gully matters and the placement on the banner mattered. Yeah. And I think the captain too. 
but no one else's placement tends to matter. No. But yeah, you're right. The, the Witch King had, had shuffled up like a full like 20 inches or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like right in the, right the streamline. Right line in the of... kill zone. <laughs> right in the kill zone. Which again, like, wow, if that had have gone off, oof, that would have been a lovely thing. But no, it was it was interesting. I mean, I I had never used a chariot before this game. Um, so And I still felt like I hadn't really because I only moved him basically <laughs> once. Yeah, he, he got to move three inches. Not bad. <laughs> Um, and uh, but he did did some real work, so um, it was it was a good game. I I wish we had have had a little bit more time to kind of play it through to its actual conclusion. Like a, that's yeah. I, I, even outside of that, I I, I want to mention that like this list is really fun. The Angmar list, I should say, it's really fun because you're playing. Uh, I've said this off off air. You're playing on a timer, like yeah. you have. One big tool, yeah, and you have to use that tool quick enough whilst everything else goes. You know, the orcs are always going to die; they're, they're always, always going to lose because yeah, it's twenty yeah. orcs versus yeah. you know four hundred points of Dolan Ross. Yeah. Who comes out on top? Yeah. So it's really fun. You're playing on a time limit. You're like, can Gully kill quick enough? Yeah. Um, I think there was oh, this was maybe minimized where it was like more of a mini game than a than a game of SPG where I had to like pig pen like the goblins out of my zone and yeah. and keep them it was kind of like that like yeah. all over again the now, game within the game the game within the game yeah. now it's can gully kill 400 points before yeah. 70 points of goblins uh, sorry orcs lose to 400 points of dollar yeah. yeah. it was really cool and yeah. uh, look unfortunately this one you you just managed to, to eke it out yeah that's it I mean um, I don't yeah I, I it's interesting when you put it in those terms because I was just so terrified of Gully killing um, for long and then coming through. And, and that's what he did in the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when he got away and got that monstrous hurl off um, the first turn, I think he hurled a knight into like seven of my dudes, yes. knocked yeah, them yeah. all down. You love a 40 mil base hurl. Oh, Oof. just so brutal. And and that's, you know, that's what I was worried about the whole time <laughs> um, for, for very good reason. But you're right, I... I, I actually didn't clock until you had broken. I was like, oh, okay, this list does have a weakness. And it, yeah. it's fun playing yeah, yeah. A, a list that has that obvious weakness because yeah. you're right, it becomes a fun challenge of like, okay, I've got to compensate for that yeah. in how I play. It gives you an out. If you break me, Gully is at his best Courage 4. Yeah. That's, you know, it's that's failable. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do have some will, but... That you know, uh, the longer the game goes on, the more yeah. more it becomes uh, an issue. Yeah, it's it's pretty safe, but then it will eventually, you know, he will eventually yeah. attack it. Yeah, I I guess the the fun thing is when you've got when when it's really swingy and you've got a bit of a glass cannon element to it. Yeah. In turn, like it's not like Iron Hills where it's like I'm yeah. gonna castle up <laughs> and you you know the waves will crash over me, but the rocks will. Um, will resist and maintain. Like you're you're playing a proactive role yeah, in that, yeah. right? Gully is taking things off the board, and he's doing cool stuff, right? Like he's always doing cool <laughs> Charging stuff. Charging Gully, it's it's hard to explain the feeling, dear listener. I think you guys should get on it. A, a charging Gully that wins the combat, and you're throwing ten dice. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a level of euphoria that is hard to <laughs> hard to reach, hard to replicate. And I think as well that the model that you have for it as well has so much 
um, gravitas that mm. it re- like it mm. matches that. Like it yeah. should be throwing ten dice. Yeah. So end of the round, Jordy. Uh, what Pokemon did you buy this round? Yeah. So we ended up with a score of like eight five. Yeah. That um, sounds right. So I had five points, which is just enough to buy a Arcanine. Oh. Sorry, a Wag. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Middle Earth standard. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, we we spent so long recording our post-match interview that I didn't even think about buying anything else. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I didn't have any dogs. I didn't have enough <laughs> There's points. There's nothing worth buying. There's nothing there for me. I should have, in hindsight, put a shield on Forlong foreshadowing oh. for the next round. Um but no, I went straight into my round, uh, into round three. Alrighty, well, let's hear about it. Okay, here we go, team. So, Albert, um, after, uh, round three, and I'm joined by my opponent, Theodore. Theodore, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, so, round three, end of the day. Uh, before we get into the game, uh, tell us uh, about your army, what you're taking today. So I've got an alliance of Serpent Horde and Far Harad. I've got Suladan with two Serpent Riders, two, uh, six uh, warriors of Harad with bows and spears. One of them was lacking a spear just for points and six Abrahan Guard. Then I had a Mahud King on Camel with War Spear and four uh, Mahud Raiders with War Spears and Blowpipes and four Half Trolls. Mm. And over the course of the day, got heavy armor and shields on Suladan and the king. Yeah, that's a really um, important thing to, to bear in mind when we uh, when we talk about the the game. the The models that you were running um, were really beautiful, and um, a number of them were proxies, three mm-hmm. um, D prints. Did you want to talk about um, where the three D prints came from and, and yep. why you chose to, to go with them? So the all the Far Harad were done by Kurzluk Minis mm. um, in their Far South tribes. And Suladan and the Abrakan and the Serpent Riders were all done by Diwale Games. Yeah, so. they, and they even though they're designed by two different miniature groups, they really um, fit together. I mean, obviously they're from different factions technically, so you can kind of accept some differences. But the aesthetic of them uh, really like fits really well, and especially those Camel Riders. They are beautiful models. I really love them. Yeah, I really love the the Far Harad, both the aesthetic and the minis, and it's it's such a shame that they're so hard to get a hold of the official ones. But yeah. With with these proxies coming out, and I've printed them all up myself, just makes these fun armies that are very flavorful much much more accessible. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think it's a really good thing for the game that um, you're able to actually run something for fun without having to, you know, take on a second job to actually afford the, yeah. the originals, right? Um, so, uh, we'll, uh, before we get onto the game, one last thing. So, you mentioned that you 3D printed them yourselves. How long have you been um, 3D printing minis for yourself? So, I started 3D printing middle of lockdown in 2020. Yeah. I got myself yeah. a big FDM printer. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, about December of 2020, I bought myself a resin printer and I've been using it primarily to print minis for D&D and Warhammer. Yeah. How have you found that process? Like, did you find, um, first of all, um, doing the FDM printer, was that a diff- more difficult process than the resin printer, do you think, or about the same? I think they've got different different skills that need to be learned i think the i had a harder time with the fdm mm. but that's also because i had the knowledge from the fdm going into the resin printing sure um it the they have different finickiness yeah 
is what I've found. Yeah. I haven't got any experience with the FDM printers, but I, I know that a lot of people talk about with uh, resin printers, and I've, I've got one myself, the um, the difficulty or the, the process of cleanup and, and curing and all of that is like the added on. But personally, I don't find that um, as such, like I don't find that as much of a hassle because at the end of it, you're left with this beautiful miniature. So Yeah, I've definitely found that less hassle than some of the sanding you have to do to try and get an FDM print <laughs> to look smooth. So I yeah. also do, do a bit of cosplay printing for that. And the ah. amount of sanding to get it smooth looking is... Yeah. And, and having done a little bit of that kind of sanding uh, just for terrain and, and um, that kind of thing, it gets old very quickly. Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, on to the game. Um, before we get into to the blow-by-blow, blow, what did you think uh, going in when you saw the fiefdoms on the other side of the table? Uh, I definitely thought that Imrahil was going to be a, a big problem to deal with. Mm. Um, what did you think about Forlong being on a chariot? I, I was quite pleased to see a chariot. <laughs> um, I'm uh, glad you were pleased. I, I, I was very disappointed <laughs> that I hadn't managed to earn myself a chariot over the course of the day. Yeah. Um, Definitely made him a lot harder to deal with. Yeah. But it um, it was a lot of fun. Don't see enough chariots in these games. Yeah. Hoping to see some more. Yeah, it was a really nice um uh, bonus, and this is the first time that I had uh, run a chariot, so I was kind of still figuring out how they actually operate. Um, so I found it really fun, and I'm glad to hear that um you know you did um as well. So um onto deployment, the the scenario we were playing was um clash by moonlight. Clash by moonlight. Um, so, uh, hero kills, break, and leader kill, is that right? Yes. I think that's it. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, opening deployment, we deployed 12 inches on. Uh, what did you think of, of the board and, and kind of your setup? What were you thinking going into it? Um, I saw there was a lot of choke points that could be held and manipulated with a bunch of woods and ruins around. Mm. Um, I, was, I was a bit... Um, apprehensive about having to deal with with a proper formation of pikes um mm. which never re i don't think i ever really got my pike block yeah. running um i kind of scrambled my lines a little bit by trying to when the lines did meet i was kind of trying too hard to cover my flank yeah. um which meant that the the formation uh fell apart pretty quickly um but i think your your two heroes um, we're still standing at the end. Um, I think the the purchase of the heavy armor and the shield were very smart oh, yes. purchases. Um, definitely counteracted one of the big weaknesses of uh, traditionally both Harad and Farharad. Very punchy, but can't really take a blow in return. Yeah, so, yeah, and that, I mean that that Mahud King, he just he just, he just tanked. He just wouldn't die. No. I, I had him surrounded for three or four turns, I think, and you ended up nearly killing every soldier that I put into him. So um, he was very, very good. Um, you, I think you played it really well in the um, opening engagement, um, and I'm not sure if this was on purpose, but to make sure that the Mahud King was just outside of range of Forlong with his chariot. Yeah, I was definitely trying to make sure that you had to come to me yep. and that I could countercharge if, if you did come to me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and um, uh, the the lines kind of met. You you uh, sacrificed an Abrakan guard into um, Imra Hill, which allowed me to uh, slingshot uh, heroic combat with a few cav. And I thought that was the right move at the time, but I think 
I, I may have positioned Imre Hill slightly incorrectly. I think if Imre Hill had been more in the centre of the line as opposed to on the flank where he ended up, he might have been uh, in a slightly better position in the later game. What do you think? Yeah, I've definitely found that, particularly learning to play with Suladan, yeah. like those, those heroes that give a, an area buff to your army are far better off placed in the middle of your line than on a flank. Yeah. Um. And then uh, going into kind of the, the later stages of the game, because I feel like the, the momentum was uh, pretty heavily in, in my favour for a lot of the game. Um, I was managing to win combats and uh, wound, and I managed to break you first. Um, but then you broke me back. Um, and then in the, the last few turns, I think you played it incredibly well in terms of just maximising the combats where it mattered. Um, so did you want to talk about probably the, the most important combat of the game uh, with Forlong at the, yeah, at the end so, there? So right in the last turn of the game, uh, I charged a single uh, Harad warrior, just hoping to sort of tie up Forlong and make sure he couldn't <laughs> charge through my lines and wreak havoc. And uh, he managed to win against Forlong. Yep. And then he managed to go over the chariot, so he needed a 5-plus to, to just hit Forlong. Yep. And then he needed a 6 to wound Forlong, which he rolled a 1, but because he's got a poison spear, he got to re-roll, got the 6, killing Forlong, basically winning me the game on his own. Literally, that was... that was Because if Forlong hadn't um, gone down in that turn, I think it would have... The, the points would have been different, yeah, and it, and it would have been um, in my favour. Um, but... I think it's it's very just that that happened for you because leading up to that, I think there were about six or seven combats where I re-rolled banners uh, from ones into sixes. Uh, Imre Hill got out of a very sticky situation with a, a clutch banner re-roll from a one to a six. So I feel like even though Imre Hill stayed alive at the end, you were very uh, justified in taking Forlong down at the end there. Thank you very much. Um, but look, it was a really fantastic game, really enjoyable, and um, it was a, a bit of a tactical head-scratcher throughout, which I think um, is, is a great way to, to end the day. Um, so thanks very much for the game, and congratulations on the win. Thank you. G'day, guys. Geordie here at the end of round three, and I'm with my opponent, uh, Damien. Yep, um, known and love him from the potty already. Um, one of the fellow Geelong boys. Yes, yes, one of the three. Yeah, so... <laughs> We, we travelled, what, an hour and a half to be here, and I got to play two players from Geelong. Good times. What are the chances of that? Yeah. Um, but oh, we, you've, we've seen your army before. Were there any big changes today? Uh, it was the Thaedrid's Guard. I've played that twice. Yeah, and so you would sort of heavily... You would just change the, the list right up, yeah. as, as it were. Yeah, so <clears throat> instead of having the heroes mounted, Mm -hmm. All of them were dismounted, yep. um, and it was just mass throwing spears from Helmingers yeah, everywhere. And they were all Helmingers, right? Uh, everyone dismounted except for the one guy with bow were Helmingers. Oh, okay. yep, yep. So, um, what was that? 20, uh, 20, 20 of them. 20 Helmingers. 20 Helmingers, all throwing spears. Yep. Whew, it's pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll quickly, a really quick recap of the game, though. There's not a lot to mention. Um, we play, we got... Uh, night fighting, Clash by Moonlight. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and I basically just managed to get Gulavar onto a wing through a compel. Yeah. And proceeded to chomp. I hid every model I could behind that to to prevent your throwing spears. Correct. Yeah. Um, how did it quickly it quickly unfolded? How did it go? Um, 
Well, outside of you just marching up the board like three quarters, <laughs> which was not fun. I had the um, option of a 22-inch move with Gulliver. Yeah. Let's just point that out. Yep. Yeah. So I kind of knew that was coming, um, but I had priority, so I couldn't really prepare for it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it kind of just devolved into uh, who could roll higher than a two, <laughs> which was not me. Um, uh, Alfham held out for a little while. Yeah. He actually won. He beat Gully in a combat. Once. Yeah. Gulliver lost him a, off. He, he fluffed a couple rolls actually. Yeah. Yeah. Gulliver fluffed a couple, but he was sort of lucky. I was fighting under my banner, and I got a very good engagement on some Helmingers, and just I reckon I killed what was it like twelve modders before the bulk of your army got there, something um, like that. I think I killed one warg. You killed a warg straight warg away. Straight away, an orc, and that was it. And then you killed a puppy. Jesus yeah. Christ. Second for the day. Wow. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Sadistic, right? mate. Jesus. Um, but luckily, dear listener, we have something way more exciting to talk about. It is. Now, many viewers of Zorpazorp may know there is a certain Rohan hero that is missing a certain war gear option. Damien, do you want to tell me all about it? Well, um, you know, in the movies you see him, mm-hmm. he's got a certain uh, animal mm-hmm. between his legs. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, Grimbold doesn't normally have a horse. Grimbold the Bold, without a horse. That's it. It's very sad. (laughs) It's very, very sad. But given this tournament structure, as as you know, listener, that we can actually buy stuff from the Battle Company's books. Yeah. And uh, what did you do with Grimbold today? So, after his first game, um, I had enough to get him a horse. (gasps) What? Yeah, it was was massive. This is the best day of Grimbold's life. I know, life. he loved it. He's like, I got a horse. I've, I've never been on one of these yeah. before. I've lived in Rohan for like 30 odd years. Never had one. <laughs> never had one. But I have one now. <laughs> he, did, he, he loved it. Three attacks, six on the knockdown, what? strength four, piercing strikes to five. Yeah. Yeah, he loved it. It got even better. What? Well, yeah, I, well, I mean, one horse is pretty good, right? Yeah. So. What about two? Two horses. But you're probably asking, how do you, how do you, you ride two, two horses? horses? Well, then you put a box with some wheels behind them. <laughs> um, the Grimbold quickly found out that it's probably a little bit more than he bargained for. Mm, a little bit. Mm, one um, horse easy, two horses, it gets yeah. a bit difficult, yeah. You probably realise that that's why Rohan doesn't really ride two horses. <laughs> so, um, no, he enjoyed it until Yeah, he... so you, you had bought him a chariot yes. after round two. Yes, yes. And a few other bits and bobs, right? Yeah, so he um, he then became uh, Lord of the West, so he got a elven made sword. Mm. And he thought... Friend of the elves, apparently. Yeah, he thought, defence five? Nah, I'm going to get something a little heavier. So, defence six, hand and a half elven made, and a, and a chariot. Mm. He was loving life. <laughs> that is the most decked out Grimbold we've ever seen. Um, so, we got Grimbold's best day out. And how did it go for him at the end? Uh, n- not terrible, but not great. Yeah, um, yeah he kind of got eaten by Gulliver. Yeah, but uh, before, I guess... He only got a little bit eaten though, right? Yes. Every other hero Gulliver's dealt six to seven Ooh. wounds. Now, you did something pretty cool actually. Yeah, so Grimbold, unfortunately, is strength four. Yeah, Should be which five. is crazy. Um, but he has the axe so he can piercing strike. Yep. <clears throat> so that'll put him up to five, but he also has heroic strength. Mm. Um, so I've called a heroic combat with Gulliver. Yeah. In very char- a very close charge range of uh, one Grimbold. Yes. Well, it helps when you get to the same Strength value, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So uh, heroic strength is D3. Yes. But you managed to, to get, get the whopping... The big old six. Big old six. Love to see it. So Grimbold is rocking strength eight. Yes. 
are copying a monstrous charge, charge from one Gulliver. Just puts his hand out and says, no, thank you. <laughs> so when Gully charges, uh, uh, you know, a chariot, a troll even, uh, you know, he fucking knocks them right over. Grimbold, too strong. Too strong. Um, Very strong. The strongest. The strongest. Um, so, I mean, that combat's... He still died. Yes, he failed his fate. I... I Five attacks into all into um, Grimbold. Yep. Only two got through. Two got through. Only dealt two wounds. That's all you needed. Uh, and failed his fate. And failed his fate. But yep. he has the best track record against Gulliver of the whole day. Yes. Every other hero, dead. Seven wounds, dead. Seven wounds, dead. Um, so, well done. Well done Good to job, Grimbold. Grimbold. Good, good job, Good <laughs> job. Um, anything else? Like, the, the game was pretty cool, but it was a bit of a... Um, it's just like the rest of my games with you sometimes. <laughs> they just kind of devolve into uh, rolling ones on the priority, and because you're evil, you, yes. uh, you get it. Yep, so I did win a couple roll-offs, and I did win a bunch of priorities, all the ones that mattered, I guess. But but you know what? Grimbold had a great day. That's it, that's all that matters. Gulliver had a great day. Um, we had a great day. I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Brilliant. Well, thanks for the game, Damien. No worries. I'm sure we'll see you next time. I know. I hope not. <laughs> All right. Well, Albert, round three, how did you go? Round three was a real nail biter. Now, listeners, I it's very rare for me to be going into round three on two wins. Yeah, wait a minute. Right? We're... Like, I was sitting in pole position. Um, all, all hopes rested on my shoulders. Did I secure the victory? No. Oh. No, no, no. No. Come oh. on. Curb your enthusiasm. I mean... You've already heard the interview. You already know the result. But it was actually a really enjoyable um, game. It was a nice thematic matchup too. Fiefdoms versus Harad. You know, age-old bitter enemies. Um, the, the serpent versus the swan. The serpent. <laughs> Who comes out on top there? I think, I, th- I think the swan talks a big game, but the snake ultimately wins, which is what happened here. That's literally what happened here. Um <clears throat> Theodore um, was a lovely opponent, uh, really enjoyed our game together. It started off on a very positive note where he lent me a 3D printed chariot so that I could put my Fallong the Fat on an actual chariot, mm. which is pretty cool actually, um, because in our game, he <laughs> was just rocking a 60 mil. He was just on a coaster. <laughs> Uh, and it looked so weird, like, in in the situation in our game where Gulliver was being foiled by yeah. this coaster. <laughs> Why can't I hit this guy? <laughs> Why is this so hard to hit him? It's just a He's coaster. standing on a large round bit of wood. <laughs> it should be easy. <laughs> so, in this game, uh, Forlong did a little bit more killing. Um, I, I put it down to the fact that he was on a real chariot. That that kind of, mm, yeah, mm. as we all know, things that look better do better. Um, but uh, look, you you would have heard the the back and forth in in the game. Um, I, I had the the greater killing power, but ultimately it was clashed by moonlight, and uh, a lot of it was on um, hero kills. And he managed to secure the victory in the last turn with one of, I think it was the last roll of the game, Ooh, actually. that's juicy. Um, yeah. Where he he had a lone spear warrior of Harad on Forlong the Fat, um, won the combat, 
um, got through the the chariot in the way, rolled a one to wound, and then re-rolled it into a six to 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 kill Forlong. And I think I mentioned it in the in the interview, like I, it was total justice because I had been rolling so obnoxiously with Imrahil's twelve inch banner, like. Every combat I lost, like yeah, for three yeah, rounds yeah. consecutively, like I, I would have lost four or five combats that I re-rolled into a six to win. And he, you know, Theodore took it with such grace and aplomb. Um, and, and, and also I was converting those outrageous um, banner re-rolls into, into one combat. Into actual, like, damage. Into kills. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really, you know, putting on the hurt. Um, so, you know, it's one of those classic things where you can be killing everything, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily winning. Um, and he got the one kill that actually mattered at the end there on, on Forlong. And he, he, he bought, um, you know, some extra war gear for his heroes, bumping their defense up, which again made it, that was kind of the decisive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You would have mentioned the interview, right? Yeah. They were were rocking D7. Yeah. 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 And the king. Yeah. So basically the, the one kind of downside, especially for Suladan, um, but also the Mahout king. I actually like, I like the karmic justice here. Firstly, because you, you were obnoxious all game, right? (laughs) But secondly, because Suladan is like the fair Imrahil. Yeah, for true. all intents and purposes, true. he's he's got the six inch banner. Yeah. Now that's that's fair. That's that's, that's as fair. big as any banner needs to be in and the game. He comes with a plethora of weaknesses. Yeah. you know, caps yeah. at five five, yeah. defense five, yeah. one fate. What's Imrahil? Does he does he have one one fate or <laughs> no, 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 just no. three? Three, three. Fight five or yeah. is he? Fi- fight oh no, no 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 no. Fight six. Defense defense five. No 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Imrahil is a little bit uh, broken. I really enjoyed playing, but <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone else enjoyed it very much. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was a really enjoyable, like, you know, often, and, and this has come up in the podcast, um, in the past where I really enjoy a casual third game to a tournament, mm, mm. but that's generally because I'm coming off the back of a couple of losses. So there's no, you, you got no skin in the game. No. Yep. Whereas this was very much, um, a tactical head scratcher and mm. it was, it, but it was really enjoyable because I, you know, uh, when you have an opponent across the other side of the table that is um, like they're playing to their best ability, but they're playing very fairly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you both know that there's a lot on the line. Like that's a really great game to play um, yeah, yeah. as opposed to the, you know, it being um, at the end of the day and people's kind of, nerves are fraying or whatever and you know, th- communication breakdown like that's yeah, that's like the yeah. worst case scenario right yeah, whereas or, this this was kind of the best case scenario. or you're at the top table and it's a good game but the other the other players may be a little too stringent or maybe like yeah a little too pedantic yeah, or maybe yeah, yeah, just yeah. like taking inches that aren't there and, yeah and you're yeah. like well you don't want to be the bad guy and say wait a minute you're 11 inches away why are you charging me blah, blah, blah. Anyway. yeah yeah, yes, I, I feel it, you. It, it I wasn't you. that. It, it was the opposite of that. Yeah, and yeah. I just, I'm, I'm so glad that it was because I, I had a fantastic <laughs> time, and and I have never been so happy to lose. In all honesty, like I walked away from that game feeling like I had played the the to my best yeah, ability yeah. throughout the day, and like that's all that you can really hope for at the end of the day. Yeah, how good? It's good. What about your game? Yeah, so I, I travel. Uh, 
all the way to Melbourne to to play in a Melbourne tournament, only to versus two Geelong opponents, but that's okay. <laughs> Mixing it up. Yep, yep, yep. Have some fresh faces. Jeez, I mean, if you hadn't... Well, yeah. I don't think there was anyone else from Geelong there. Oh, no, there, there were a couple of the... The, the, the white bros. The white bros. Yeah, but yeah. they're from Kyneton. Yeah. But they can't... We'll, yeah. we'll adopt them. Yeah, we'll, we'll adopt, adopt them. And at least you didn't get... Oh, but they were playing evil as well, weren't they? So there's True, no true. They were my buds. Um, but that aside... Yes. So uh, I was versing Damien... Um, now... The good news is he's versed my gully list once or twice already. He knew so what was So he knows up. the tricks. He knew what was up. Uh, the bad news was I had a drum this time. <laughs> so it was even worse. <laughs> so uh, turn one, gully move, can move like 20, 22 inches, I think. It's something obnoxious. Oh, and I can get the compel, so it's like 25. So Damo deployed 25 inches <laughs> away from gully. Um he had basically had to spread his line really, really thin. Yeah. But because I'm so fast, yeah. that actually worked in my favour. Yeah. So, you know, he was quite thin. I'd sort of deployed semi-centrally to try and, you know, oh, where am I? Which way are you going? Um, and then I just hung, you know, tight to a flank. Yeah. Um, you would have heard I got hold of Elfhelm pretty early. Yeah. I think he has heroic defence or something, but, you know, just, man, I took two turns Can to eat him instead of one. for the record? Rohan has a extortionate <laughs> amount of heroic defense. Yeah. I was listening to Hummer gambling. Yeah, <laughs> Elfhelm. How does Hummer have heroic defense? He's a bodyguard. He died oh. the first time that a dog came close to him. Yeah, that's a big dog. Though. I know it was a big dog. It was a big dog. <laughs> but he should never. No, but you're, but you're right. There's so much. There's defense. a lot of heroic defense, and I really rate heroic defense. It's yeah, one of my yeah. favorites. It's it has to be if it's not the strongest. Because uh, to me, March and Strike are both very good. It, like, Defence is up there in that tier. I think that Defence beats Strike. Yeah, yeah, uh, potentially. Like, because it's a roadblock, at, whereas Strike is a uh, percentile. Like, it's a percentages game, yeah, right? Yeah, Of wanting to win the combat to potentially do damage. Like, there's there's so many... There, there's a number of variables in there. Yeah. It's like, does strike my lets, have... Strike lets you alpha kill, but Defence lets you just... Send a fifty-point model into Aragorn and null him for a turn. Yeah, and like what's what? They what, both three are huge. turns. Yeah, right. right. Three turns. This is the thing. And for for um, gambling uh, with his uh, special banner, that's the for thing. Infinite it's like turns. infinite turns. <laughs> you are, you shall not pass. Um, but no, that tangent aside, and I agree. Um, yeah, Elfhelm just survived like one or two turns. Yeah, he did his best. Yeah, what can you do? Um, what can men do against such yeah. reckless hate? <laughs> and all the while, <laughs> this is brilliant. And and of course, this is where Grimbold's having his best day ever. You know, he's Grimbold's best day. First, up. he gets a horse. Yeah, and then he gets two horses and a box. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, Damo didn't quite know how to use a chariot. So I mean, you were mentioning this. <laughs> If it's, you've never used a chariot before... There's it, a bit to get your head around. They're very... I, I remember the... You know, it's one thing to verse a chariot and witness the dark art of, you know... <laughs> of pivot. Yeah, pivot. Three oh. inches pivot, three inches pivot, three inches pivot. I pivot. Delete, deleted half your army. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming. Um, yeah, no, there, there is a bit to bit to get your head around because it, it, that's when the you have to think... Not only two turns ahead of your army, but two turns ahead of your opponent's army to make those two connect. Otherwise, you're just ships passing in the night, mm. basically. Mm. Like, they have a, a decent arc that they can crush, because you can pivot at the start, yeah. you can move and then pivot immediately. Yeah. But 
it's it's not perfect. It's no. not a perfect system. And no. uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Grimbold nearly ran into a fence. Uh, he had gone straight maybe a bit too far. And he had to spend like a whole turn pivoting. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, Damo should have just stopped at the horse. Like this is this is, this is is the greed well, thing coming well, into it, right? You know, this is Grimbold realising he's in over his head. Way over you his know? head. Way over That's why they didn't give him a horse. No. He gets it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's staying on your two feet <laughs> and just be happy feet. with what you've got. All right. And so I, I you know, capitulated basically a wing, but he has to commit the rest of his army. He can't just let it go. Yeah. And they, they sort of like wheeled around, like the center charge, and then the, the right flank sort of eventually made it and charged. But it was very much like a, you know, meat to the grinder where I was in a perfect position. He had to come at me and we just got to chew him up. Do you think that, like, this is probably the best scenario to draw when you've got Gulliver, right? Oh, it's good. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, hunt, hunt the hero. That's, that's Gully's, that's his bread and butter. And especially Rohan, where it's like, hey, we love mid-sized So heroes. many mid-value heroes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a good one for him. The, the trick is... He, you can win most missions that are killy based because the way the list functions is it's like rip the head off the snake yeah. and then the, the body will just, you know, With run it. away yeah. and, and die. Yeah. Um, but like objective based missions, I think is the ones that we didn't want. So yeah. anything where like I have to have, tw- you know, five orcs hold off a hundred points. Yeah. Those sort of missions were the struggle, but any, yeah, yeah. anything with killing full stop, I think is yeah. okay. Yeah. I'd love the one with, um, ah. Oh, Blood, the one with blood and glory, yeah. that would have been messed up. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> um, but no, this for this one, yeah, take it, real good, yeah, take, it. take it. Um, yeah, it's a hard one. I think um, <laughs> it sounded like um, from the interview, Damo was pretty dejected about just you know watching his <laughs> all of his heroes get devoured by Gulliver piece by piece. Well. <laughs> Well, it comes into it the moment the names were drawn. Yeah. <laughs> I think Damo was a little... Because, like I mentioned, I've I playtested a few games with him before yeah. and and they went the same way. Yeah. It was... I got onto a hero, ate him, and then... And so I think Damo knew what he was in for, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, fair play. He, he still tried his best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, it. Do but, the best with a bad situation. Yep. No, very good. Very good. Well... Uh, with round three wrapped up, shall we get into the post-tournament discussion? Oh yeah, let's go. Tonight, we remember those who gave their blood to defend this country. Hail the victorious dead! Welcome back, dear listener. Um, we're in the, the, the post-tournament yes. discussion. Um... The awards, there were a few awards that got um, handed out, although I must mm. say, I have never been, I've never found it so difficult to understand who was the actual winner <laughs> on yeah, the day. because there's a few things going. First of all, team-based. So yes. then, yeah. we win as a team, lose as a team. So, Look, on that note, teams, who actually won the well, day? Maybe good one, but, um, <laughs> you know, who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, the records are a little I mean, bit I mean, literally unclear. we know. But, <laughs> uh, no, it, went, it was a minor win to good. 
I think they had taken like one nudge into the Anduin plane. And, yeah. And evil, of course. Had... It certainly wasn't like a steamroll to victory. No. Like, next stop, Blackgate. Here we go, boys. <laughs> like, it was very much like... Uh, Although, I guess we could actually say the black market was the real winner here. Oh, hands <laughs> down. Um, I, I can't remember the exact figures, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like... 70% thereabouts <laughs> yeah. of the money that, I'm sorry, of the VPs we won was funneled into the black market. 100%. Like 100%. if we contributed 50 points to the to the actual yeah, scenarios yeah, yeah. of yeah. the game, yeah. the black market got like 80 to 90. No, like it was I think nuts. that's exactly it. I think that the, the end score was around like the 60s mm-hmm. and the black market had like hundreds <laughs> of VPs poured into it. So um, it was a great social experiment in terms of uh, people mm, mm. people just didn't care about their team. I um, knew full well going into the day <laughs> I was giving zero dollars to my oh, team. That's that's right because we didn't touch on it in the previous section <laughs> but you actually you spent the, the VPs um, from when you played Damo in round three on buying. <laughs> yeah. So so there's no further games. There's no reason There's no reason to spend Jordy. more points. There's no reason. But Yes, I, I I spent my twelve VPs from the last game to buy a Drake. Okay. Uh, yep. Sorry, sorry, a a Charmander and <laughs> a a puppy or a yeah. Growl. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so I did get all all five of my extra Pokemon. I VPs started with the Ghastly and then caught the rest. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> Nailed and, it. You and, achieved your objective. I got my objective, yeah. and I gave zero points to my team, well, which is really good. You know, they didn't need it anyway. What would be interesting, actually, is to if we had have gone back through the points and seen, like, if you hadn't have bought those last two um, <laughs> if Pokemon, it made if, it, if it would have tipped the balance, might have, mm. might Because it was actually it wasn't close. It wasn't too far up between. Um, but no, so so Good took the, the win, just. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but then there were individual prizes, I believe. Yeah, I think there was a most contrib- most contribution for good and evil. Yeah. Uh, and then there was there was a, like most epic moment, uh, which is where my Pokemon should have come to shine. But it was poof, it was, was a crowd based, yeah, uh, you know, a popularity yeah. contest over here. Yeah. Uh, no. I can't even remember who won. It wasn't even that significant, to be honest. <laughs> it wasn't as good as catching six Pokemon. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I feel like um, people were coming to the Pokemon a little bit cold. They didn't know what was happening. Yeah, maybe they just didn't care. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't understand. But now, perhaps, dear listeners, you have understood the journey, mm. the, the momentous undertaking. I mean, I just uh, wanted to be the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> and you can walk away with your, your head uh, held high. In the pride, uh, knowing that um, you nailed it. Mm, mm. You bloody nailed it. Um, which is fantastic. Um, so, I think that was it for the awards, um, formally, for yes. the tournament. Yes, However, Well, there's one more award. There is one more award, and perhaps the most important award, at least in the eyes of the beholders of this podcast, <laughs> slash Geordie and I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one else cares. Uh, but it is, of course, the hobby hero of legend. Yes. Uh, and there was there, this was a pretty easy choice, I thought, for the it day. It was an easy choice insofar as there was an absolute humdinger. Like, yeah, there yeah. were some good ones. Yeah, yeah. There, there were some a, good ones. A lot of good and armies here. Like, 
honourable mentions uh, would have to go. Um, well, Thomas Bowman was there, so yep. honourable yeah, yeah, mention. Yeah. I think he had his hunter orcs, which <laughs> we did. Uh, I don't think we've mentioned too much, but they look sick. They They're covered right. in gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, yeah anyway, <laughs> amazing. Um, I also quite liked. Uh, was it Daniel White? One of the White yes. brothers was yeah, running yeah. Dunland, and he had. Um, but it was like. Oh, I can't remember what the... He, he had a chariot yeah, in there. Yeah, like he came into it with a chariot. Yeah. So he had a, a quote-unquote ally list, but it was yeah. just a Dunland chief on a chariot, which yeah. um, historically checks out because yeah. the northern European tribes during like Roman era had chariots. So if we're... They were if they're he, the... You know, he was very much vibing that Celtic yeah. Yeah. Uh, warrior tribe vibe. And it's funny, I'd never kind of connected those dots. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, it yeah. totally, totally yeah. works. Love it. So it was a cool one. But... The, there can only be one. <sighs> yeah. There can only be one. And uh, this this time it went to uh, Matt Edwards. Matt Edwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was sick. So he's got a little spider forest army. Yeah. <sighs> Amazing. Man. Amazing. Um, there's so much going on. I don't want to, like, we had a really good chat with him, which yes. we'll get to we'll let Matt in, do all the talking. in a minute. I don't want to. <laughs> Don't want to um, take words out of his mouth. But there was... I'm so glad that we um, chose Matt uh, as the winner because, as you'll hear in the interview, so much thought went into it. Mm. Like, any good um, kind of composed army, it doesn't happen by accident. Like, everything has thought and a decision process and um, and it is reflected in the, the outcome. Like, it's really, really great. It looks... Great on a table. Looks great. It would look great as a table. <laughs> Indeed it would. Indeed it would. So, shall we get into the interview? Yeah, let's go. Let's hear from uh, Matt Edwards, the hobby hero of legend. Well, it's uh, the end of the day, and myself and Albert, we're here with the what we're calling the tournament, the winner of the day. Yeah, as, as much as there can be a tournament winner for this tournament. In a team narrative tournament? I guess we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll yeah. roll with it. I yeah. don't think it's I'll ever been it. like, that hard to determine who is a winner of a tournament. <laughs> of any tournaments that I've ever yeah. been to. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is kind of cool. It's normally pretty clear cut, but yeah. the awards were given out based on wins. Yep. Which there were a couple three three game winners, right? Yeah. Yep. But those people spent their points selfishly. Yeah. On their own army and their own games. Yeah. We're here with Matt Edwards. Hello. How's it going? Um, uh, a very old friend, actually, who contributed... Uh, 23. 23 points. Uh, as compared to my zero. <laughs> and Albert, how many? I think I had, like, maybe above 10. Maybe. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. A real team player I, no, I think That's, I had a, bit, a few more. Yeah. But that was only because, Geordie, we were so long uh, in our interview that I didn't get a chance to buy anything in second round. So, <laughs> oh, no. it's probably not actually... So, Geordie spent your points. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He stopped you. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was no point in getting a chariot for my, you know, Spider Queen, so... There wasn't much options to really spend much, so I just bought a shield. Someone said I should buy some Dwarven Ale or Beer Root, oh, yeah. um, so I could be Courage 3. I went, no. <laughs> I, why would the spiders bother? <laughs> like, nar- narrative tournament, shield. I said um, my Spider Queen stepped on a shield and it got stuck to her leg, <laughs> yeah. and that's why yeah, she had perfect, that plus perfect. one cut. Yeah, and then, yeah that, that's the reason. So, um, yeah. That's definitely the reason. Not, yeah. not because you're a selfish player. It was because you're very selfless. Not because sure. you can buy equipment. Absolutely yeah. not. You know, not also, what, I wanted the, the evil to win because 
it didn't happen in the actual, you know, real story. Yeah. So I thought it would be way cooler. <laughs> and if I'm playing on the evil side, and you are too, yeah. then why not have the evil try to win? Because, yeah. you know, that's the coolest. Well, yeah. a very different mindset for me. So well yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, do you want to give us a quick recap of your games and, and your list as well? Yeah, sure. So uh, my, I'll start off with my list. That makes the most sense. Um, so I have basically my list started out as a terrain project. Um, I had four Merkwood spiders that I chucked in trees. Obviously, this is going into the like the si building side. Yeah. Um, and I was going to use them uh, when I was playing Hobbit missions and recreate some of the missions from the Hobbit book. Um, so, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, mm. And then I decided, what a waste of these awesome spiders! Let's build an army. And Hell so the army became yeah. um, the Spider Queen, obviously. And the great thing about the Merkwood, uh, Dark Denizens of Merkwood, I should say. Um, army bonus is you can run spiders without any other characters so you can run warbands so i was running six warbands uh oh, it no was yep. yeah I, I i ran it with 12 when i was practicing and it was just stupid yeah uh or eight, <laughs> sorry eight or nine yeah um yeah. and it was really <laughs> dumb and so i decided i would change it to six and yep. so it was spider queen two uh, giant spiders and mercury spider two uh, warbands of four Merkwood spiders yeah. and then uh, two warbands of two Merkwood spiders. So I could counter deploy like crazy, yeah. which was really yeah. handy. And my deployment zone doesn't have much room to fit all the spiders, as you can imagine. Bases. So 60 mil bases. Um, so that was 17 models with 60 mil bases oh. and uh, three models with 40 mil bases. And then the Spider Queen has a rule where uh, ability, I should say, uh, where I can spend will at any point during her movement to be able to spawn within three inches of her. And so after that, um, I use the will to do that, which is really, really fun oh, yeah. and can mean mm. that they can charge as well, which is really cool. Oh, so Badass cool. little bird of yeah. Uh, so the first game, I versed a gentleman called Sam, who was a, a delight to play against, and he was taking his Gondor force, mm. which was uh, yeah. really quite fun. Uh, it was a mission that kind of helped me out a little bit because it was mm. objective based yeah. so with the five objectives I had a spider just hiding behind a wall and just held it yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just so fast you could just jump between them yeah pretty much that was at the back um, of the board I had basically my spider queen in the middle and then everyone just come up and attempt to just try to get as many paralyzers off because the spiders uh, the Merkwood spiders that have 16 of them uh, on, they have basically a, a th counter throwing weapon where they, on a 5+, plus, um, when they go into combat, they can attempt to paralyze. And paralyze is really, really powerful. <laughs> Especially when you're a strength 5 spider with rerolls to 1, uh, and you move 10 inches. Yeah. So, effectively, an 18-inch threat range. Um, the yeah. main thing that I noticed uh, after playing this army, this would be the fourth game in the first round yep. um, that I'd ever played with the army. Yeah, so cool. I had a couple of practice games and I found that I was kept on body blocking myself. Yeah. So getting around and trying to envelope and then yeah. get the ones that couldn't get into combat because 60 mil bases <laughs> could get in there and making sure I got off, um, if I needed to, um, a heroic um, combat, yeah. uh, heroic march so I could get in uh, ah, the Spider yeah. Queen. Because okay. the Spider Queen has... Uh, Monstrous Charge, yeah. which if you don't get Monstrous Charge off, she's got two attacks. Yeah. Fight six, but it made a huge difference if you make it in there because three dice rather than two, and then if you knock the person prone, it's really helpful. Yeah, huge. Mm. And Vayne of Kings too, aka Venom, uh, yeah. where you get to reroll all dice to wound. So yes. strength six, but that is just Lethal. chef's yep. kiss. Uh, so the game went really well in my favour, and I absolutely just demolished the army and yeah. uh, won 
eight to one. Yeah. That game. Uh, I'm yeah. just wondering, is yeah. it is it the paralyzers that do it, or is it just sort of like every model having two attacks? You just sort of. It's a bit of both, to be yeah. honest, because I noticed that paralyze can be really shit. Like mm. it can not go off at all. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I find that uh, you can't rely on it. Yeah. But mm. if you're in combat one v one, you can't die. Yeah. So even if you lose the fight and take a wound, you're still just as much of a threat. And because yeah. you're strength five, you have uh, fight two on the majority of my army. But with uh, the giant spiders, which are fight four, getting ah, them into yeah. the correct mm. positions, and then just going, cool, two dice versus one. Yeah. The odds are sometimes in my favor, causing terror as well. So the whole army causes yeah. terror is really helpful too. Uh, so that was like a really, really good way to kind of get everything all in together. Yep. Uh, and basically the mission just really, really favoured me in that respect um, to get there and just basically I could get to any objective and sit on the objective and just shoot paralyze at people as well. Oh, so, man, that's so good. Yeah, uh, on to the second round. So the second round I versed uh, dwarves. Uh, so Erebor um, with Dane on his uh, little piggy, which okay. has two wounds. Oh, this okay. is an interesting matchup. Yeah, so this was way more interesting. Um, so the dwarves are moving really slow and they had thrown weapons so I think across the whole game the my opponent got to throw three wow. like throwing weapons that's wow. sick and denial did you yeah. was that maneuverability that just sort of 10 inch threat range yeah yep. 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 um, yep. just getting there and we were fighting so uh, Thraw had the artifact power that gave him uh, fearless when he was in water Oh, okay. So like a bonus artifact. I think that's what it was. That's strange. Um, it's a really strange one. He got fearless, and then something else that gave him an extra bonus. So I oh, think he, so he got cool. to reroll fate rolls. I think it was. Okay, as okay well. that's legitimate. Was yeah. really helpful yeah. um, because he has the arc and stone. If anyone doesn't know, yeah. so oh. he is insane. So, so he was three up. He keeps his fate, and it's rerollable. Yes, that's pretty. Uh -huh. Pretty much. Um, and so the Spider Queen went into Thrall. Yep. And they bumped heads the whole game. Yeah, right. They just really? bonk, bonk, bonk. Wow. And then I had that him alive. So Thraw alive and the uh, Piggy Man, which I forgot his name already. Dane. Uh, Dane, yep. Dane. Yep. Ironfoot. Uh, he got one charge off, which made him cause terror. And the rest of the time, I just... He had a bad time with priority and stuff as well. Oh, so yeah. I did the same thing. The dwarves we were fighting on a, a board where there was a small, like little uh, creek going yeah, through. Yeah, like a two-inch river. Two yeah, two-inch like, yeah. river, um, which was kind of as shallow. Um, yep. And then there was a little bridge across it. Yep. So we basically fought in that as yep. well. So yep. yeah. um, that was a really uh, unfortunate time. I thought he would outnumber me and be able to throw weapons and get some kills from that yeah. because they were all the upgraded ones that are like the defenders of the king. Yep. So yep. Uh, he didn't have to worry about courage at all. I just said, what terror. To him every yeah, time yeah. Um, so the game kind of just went my way just yeah. because of numbers and just because strength five with rerolls of one you puts him work wound them. Yeah, yeah pretty much so um, it was still a slog yeah. and we still you know we finished about an hour and a half in which was yeah. pretty good as yeah. well but yeah. yeah win to me and I got uh, six victory points to his one um, nice. so that was pretty good yep. uh, as well so I think that was a really fun game he had a blast and I did too all right, so I versed in the third round a guy called Liam who was taking Arnold, who uh, absolutely wrecked my day for the first couple of turns. Was yeah. that just down a, to the fearless bubble that Avdui gives all of the troops? Or? I think it was a mix of being on a board with a giant, a, a, about a four to five inch um, 
deep water yeah. with only three places that you can cross. Oh. So that mission favours me a little bit if it wasn't on that board, yeah. but then with the Fearless it doesn't because I had to go three turns to get around to Envelope yeah. and I put my Spider Queen trying to get her not to get shot to pieces by Archers because yeah. she's yep. defence defense five, but still. Yeah. Um, so she had to go around and because we're playing Clash at Moonlight, I should tell you what missions we're playing. No, that's fine. Clash at Moonlight yep. um, meant that everything would shoot within 12 but they get plus, plus one, one to wound, yeah. which meant that, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it meant my spiders were dying in droves too. Mm. So five oh, spiders yeah, died in yeah. the first two rounds, oh. which is more spiders than died in the other two rounds combined. Wow. So what? five spiders <laughs> just ten got wounds. bodied. Holy yeah, shit. sorry, it might have been three rounds, but it was yeah. very. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. first yeah. couple of turns yeah. of the game. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and then we fought over a bridge and there was a captain on the bridge who just killed, I think he killed two spiders with help by himself. Oh. And I couldn't get any more yeah. because I couldn't go nice. around. Yep. So I had to go all the way around. I failed, I would say, 90% of my Paralyze for the first mm. four rounds of the game. Wow. Which was really funny because it was like, cool, he, he ignores my terror. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he won, he won some great priorities and I was not in range to uh, Heroic. Yeah, so, so, all right, so it's all going against you. How yeah. did you sort of pull it back? Because I didn't care. Spiders are meant to die. <laughs> so your attitude towards the, my attitude towards it is that I've been playing Warhammer games in general and Lord of the Rings on and off since I was nine. Yep. And my attitude towards it is that everything is expendable, yep. even the Spider Queen, like yep. the, the, the Queen. Um, which a lot of people have this thing where as soon as stuff starts to die, they get mm. uh, panicky yeah. and they get stressed. Yeah. And I just don't. And I think that's something that. In those other games, I it wasn't a clear-cut victory for me. I had a really yeah. like there was a quite a few times where it could have swung with a priority roll or two, but choosing when to do a heroic move or doing those things uh, make a huge difference. Yeah. And doing uh, so, I had a heroic combat, and I wanted to heroic combat into other models because I knew that I was. So we got to the point where I was down to ten models were dead. Yeah. So I'm breaking on 11, and there's wow. three spiders on one wound each, <laughs> including the spider queen. Wow. So, because uh, she does not have any fate, and yeah. she is only defense five because I gave her a shield, weirdly. <laughs> Normally so, defense four, luckily yeah. she stepped on the shield. Yeah, yep. 100%. And so she is squishy as all hell. Luckily, she's monstrous uh, cav, which really helps. Yeah. So when she got in, she decided to use her last point of might into just a regular flip to yep. try to get in and kill uh, one of the characters because that was the mission. Yep. Uh, and then I couldn't physically get there, but I just mowed down and just killed and didn't, I didn't get broken somehow. Wow. So That's I impressive. went through and I think there was five or six models with Paralyze on them from yeah. two turns. That's, which is that's all right so the luck sort of swang backwards it was very because you can roll at the end of the fight phase uh, on a six you get rid of the paralyze mm. yeah and so uh liam failed all of his uh even for his uh, uh other character as well yeah. which yeah. was really rough so i kind of just went in went dead 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 because i get four dice Fives re-rolling, yeah. uh, sorry, strength five re-rolling, yeah. and he was only defense six. So yeah. I'm fives on four dice with yeah. re-rolls of one. It's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. And sure. it just kind of all went from 
I was very much losing. Yeah. And if he killed one more model, it could have been a different story mm. because of the courage too. Courage of spiders. But yeah. it went my way. Just straight up. Just Hell went my yeah. way. So, and that's the luck of the dice, the luck of the thing, and just playing to your strengths of your army, I mm. guess, as well. Which, yeah. you know, knowing that, hey, cool, a spider could die and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because there's another one. Like, yeah. I love that that yeah. mentality mm. and something that I need to work on for myself. Yeah. <laughs> because you're right. It's like if you view things from a panic brain point of view, you're only going to see the negatives and you're not going to see the opportunities. Yeah. Um, that's very cool. Mm. It's very no, cool. that's very good. Yeah. It's a very good sort of mindset to take into game. But it's also not intuitive because you go, well, I don't want any of my models to die. Yeah. So and then you're not going to be able to play the game. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. as soon yeah. as, as your model dies... If you play with someone, say, like Boromir, and he dies first turn, that is going to be really demoralizing. Yeah. But yeah. the game's not over. It's not over. Yeah, 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 yeah. My Spider Queen has died many times. Uh, in the practice game, she was one of the first things to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I went, okay, she's going to be have to go into the second wave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that seemed to be a really good way well, to that's, so deal the, with the, that, so. the practice games actually sort of came to, to fruition because you, you changed your tactics with it. Is that right? Uh, 100%, yeah. Yep. So using other spiders to block to give them yep. in the ways against yep. shooting armies. And so then... I had two practice games against elves. Yeah. Um, so Rivendell mm. elves uh, with two very powerful terror-causing elves. Yeah. Um, so same list. Um, and I noticed that if I don't have any might to really do much with because I've got one character with three might yep. and that's it. Uh, then having those characters, they're going to be able to outdo things for me. Yeah. But treat your army like cavalry and use your terror to your advantage. And because you're 60 mil bases, you're never going to get surrounded because yeah. you have a wall of spiders. So you might have noticed if you saw any of the games that I had no one get behind me yeah. at all. Uh, I did have three cavalry in the first round of Gondor that I just didn't care about because yeah. I could just par yeah. I paralyzed one and then the other two I just charged and then they were just on the ground going like cool they're dead yeah. they, they might as well not have been cavalry at that yeah, point because yeah. so, we've yeah. talked about like frontage mildly in yeah. our potty before yeah. and a normal model's a one inch frontage mm. what's less the 60 than. mil yes 60 mil is three two and a half to three inches wide yeah it's yeah. got to be about Huge. three inches right yeah. like, and then you've got to remember that everything has a control zone of one yeah. inch yeah. well exactly. so, so you're board effectively controls. three spiders is a nine inch control zone. bigger it's more yeah. like it's more yeah. like 15 yeah realistically oh, and you spread them yep yeah oh my so God. but i didn't need to spread them because yeah, i had too many, so many. Yeah. yeah so 17 bases of 60 mil ba bases if you work out the math it's going to cover the whole board yeah because brilliant yeah it was by accident too so it was literally because I think they look awesome, and I chucked my models into trees because that was the whole terrain thing. Uh, yeah, so the, the end point of the game was just get to the 25%, just yeah, clean yeah. house and just get rid of all the rest of the, yeah, the models. And, yeah, and it was the really fun. It very much felt really swingy, so it didn't feel like I was just destroying because as yeah. soon as I break, it's all over. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Courage 2... Rolling eight on two dice oh, is yeah. not fun. Oh, not fun at all. Like so, and I thought my games were all going to go really quick. That went to about ten minutes left of the yeah, round okay. because of like tactical decisions. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Liam had to keep everything within six inches yeah. to get the fearless bubble yeah. and the banner that he had as well. So yeah. there'd be yeah. a couple turns of maneuvering and, and also like, like a six yeah. up. Um, Essentially, like a feel no pain, like a negation yeah, as Malbeth, well. Malbeth would have been Malbeth lifted pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saved him a couple of times. He almost got um, on three dice. He rolled two fives and then a four. 
I felt bad. Mm, like that would so close. He deserved so it. close. Yeah, that that one uh, warrior did definitely deserved to live. And <laughs> I, I, I guess I want to uh, fixate on like you know they're saying that it was pretty fun games, right? Like that list you took, it looks super fun. Yeah. In in writing, did it sort of play out like that way? Uh, as in for my opponent or myself or both? Like yeah, just for you, just having like I don't know twenty paralyzed shootings or twenty very fast models that are blast cannony. I felt like I was going into that, those games, and I think I told you at the start before we out, started playing that yeah. I'd be happy to win one game. Yeah. Uh, so going into it, I expected to either be shot off the board or just outfought by, mm. say, an Aragon or a Boromir or something like that. But what kind of turned out was that it was really fun to play because it's a challenge to mm. manoeuvre mm. because you can block yourself mm. and yeah, then you, yeah, can yeah, yeah. You, can, you can stop yourself from being able to back away yeah. and you can just get into awkward positions where you get surrounded because terror is only so good as mm. you know if I'm versing things that have courage four sixes is pretty decent at all fearless yeah. so I felt like it was going to be a really fun army to play a couple of games of yeah. and then when I had my three practice games which is pretty low but that's just how it yeah. goes yeah. Um, I felt like the army was just so different and unique mm. to anything mm. else that I've ever yep. played in Lord of the Rings. I've played a lot of different armies and against a lot of different armies and I felt like it was one of those ones that played exactly like you expect spiders to play. Mm. Yeah. Really, really, like, because they're two wings each, so they're tanky, but they're squishy. Yeah. So you can, you can cut off their legs and stuff, like they get wrecked and then once you do enough damage to them, they just yeet away. They just, yeah. they just go, we're legging yep. it. Yeah, like they're out. So I think that was the thing that they played in the theme that I wanted. Hell and that yeah. was the reason why, part of the reason why I said, I'm not going to spend any of my points because the only thing I could think of that was funny, which is what I'm all about, <laughs> is I got a shield because I stepped on it. And yep. that's the like the way that I think, yep. cool, Spider's going to rock up and just eat all the things. And that was the story that I kind of came up with for my little spiel as well. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. that I would say most fun army I've ever played. Yeah, um, for Lord of the Rings, Wicked. and That's cool. that is after playing since I was uh, yeah. nine or ten. <laughs> I was gonna say, and I'm like, like 34, 33. I don't even <laughs> know. That's yeah. pretty cool yeah. to be have played the game for so long and still find something so fundamentally new and enjoyable about it. Like that yeah. says a lot. I yeah, uh, it's the the best gaming system I think um, for balance nice. and for you don't have to roll for charging and you don't mm. have a armor save. Yeah. You know, other games that I play, I play every game you could think of. Yeah, I've played yeah. it or have, you know, will play it or play it, yeah, have yeah. played it before. And I find that this is the most... There's no getting trashed by someone because every duel feels epic. Yeah. So whenever you're 1v1-ing yeah. someone or 2v1-ing or whatever it yeah, is yeah. or doing a heroic combat where you fight someone and then kill them and then go into somebody else feels in theme and like I love Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and Silmarillion and all the fun things mm. like everything Tolkien frothball so I think yeah. that it's <laughs> just the best like it's the coolest in my opinion so I think that an, an army that fits the theme and isn't just ants where you've got what three models at yeah. 500 points or four yeah. models if yeah. that yeah. or eagles where you do, you, you're stuck doing the same yeah. having the ability and having the lack of heroes just yeah. really is fun yeah. and cool. it's it's a, another puzzle to yeah. solve essentially I think I think you're right unique yeah. is probably the right the right word but unique in a you've got a lot to work with like yeah. you were saying ants 
there's not a lot to work with. They're unique, mm. but you've got three models. Yeah. Eagles, same thing. So yeah. that's really cool. So I think that covers the uh, the tournament experience. But and, uh, um, congratulations again yes, congratulations. on the win. I was not expecting it, and I'm pretty happy with how that went. <laughs> so I got a nice little certificate and a little badge too. So speaking cool. of certificates, we have uh, a certificate not physically with us here today because we're not that organised here at the <laughs> Towers Podcast. <laughs> Sounds like David. I, <laughs> yeah. I definitely have it printed at home. Uh, yes, we have the certificate. We could cool. probably bring it to minimise. <laughs> Put it on the bar. Guess I'm going to minimise. Uh, I was anyway, but sure. Uh, but congratulations cool. on winning uh, our own in-house award of Hobby Hero of Legend because uh, the uh, spiders look amazing. Thank yeah. you. I'm really happy with how they turned out and it's yeah. really cool to see people coming over and saying, oh, that's awesome. Like, I never would have thought to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, hopefully yeah. that's going to encourage other people. I've talked to like four or five people today. They're like, I want to take spiders to the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. doing my job. Yeah, you know? that's, that's <laughs> getting, like, getting people... You've like, like, sold the army purely on the appearance, right? Which yeah. is wicked. Yeah. And now that I have one you know three games of three well, of the true, tournament true. it sold on the <laughs> that they're not trash yeah you know yeah. when i was going into it thinking that they were not going to be as competitive as they are so um having double whammy is really cool so yeah, yeah really really and, stoked on that and look there was no best sports announced yeah. um having not played you i am also going to award you best sportsmanship so you got the trifecta it's a clean sweep yeah, clean, sweep. A clean, yeah, sweep. Uh, clean sweep i'll take it oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess, do you want to maybe give us a quick go, a rundown of the army? We're going to have photos up on the Insta, of course. But awesome. I guess a quick d description of them and maybe how you got any cool effects or if you did anything particularly interesting. I mean, there's a lot interesting going on. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so the army is based on the old Citadel wood trees, which fit really perfectly on uh, about uh, the, the 60 mil bases of the Merkwood spiders. Mm. Uh, so I started off with four that I bought back when you could buy them in just the Merkwood Spiders by themselves. Oh, cool, yeah. And so I had four of them for sitting in my, like, on a shelf for probably five years. And, or since they had came yep, out. Yeah, yeah. And they were in, they were glued to the trees and I loved the idea of them being in trees and got looking down and basically ready to attack. Yeah. Yeah. So that vibe was really cool and being able to position them all around and then I found my stash that I had of all those old oh, trees that I good. was like, oh, this is really handy because these trees are perfect um, for what I wanted to do. And then I decided after that that I would try my very best to put Shelob, the model that I, is metal, <laughs> uh, in a tree. And the, I feel like that alone is like grounds for <laughs> you to win more because... I saw that and I was like, that can't be that metal. That can't be right. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is like when somebody passes you a baby. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't want to drop it's, this. It's so heavy because she loves butt is hollow. <laughs> she got, she but got is booty, yep. thick. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. talking there is maybe a one centimeter cubed inside that is mm. hollow. Mm. The rest is just solid metal. Yeah. So glued it all together, went... This isn't going to work. <laughs> so my first protocol was to get some weight. So there's 40 cents glued uh, underneath a 60 mil base. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another few coins. Sorry for the illegality. But they're hidden inside the tree because the tree is hollow uh, yeah, cool. to a certain point. Yeah. So I just stacked a whole bunch of metal essentially yeah. into a base. And that's went, actually, that's sturdy. Yeah. I tried to flick it a couple of times and it stayed up. So that was good. Lucky. <laughs> Lucky. And then I put Shelob in the tree and positioned her legs. And the trees were already built, by the way, so all yeah, their yeah. Um, branches 
I just had to work with. Yeah, yeah. And so I grabbed a couple of different trees and tried to find enough contact points mm. for each uh, leg. And somehow it just worked out that I could hit each of the points. Uh, and then I got a piece of uh, paper clip, oh, yeah. drilled a hole in her butt. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And then drilled a hole in the tree. Yeah. And then put a, basically drilled it and glued it into her butt and then put it onto <laughs> the tree uh, with a bit of red paint. So I could see where to drill with yeah, all the legs nice. where the position okay, yeah, um, yeah, to make pull. it so it was a good uh, so I didn't drill into somewhere that was horrible. Yeah, and tried to make it so it was in a point where the tree hid where there was a small yeah. area where you could see the um, and it, clip. It is seamless. Like, I, you I, I, I had no it. idea there was a giant. You can look it. It's just because I hit it by painting it dark. Yeah, well, as well yeah. as you do. Yeah. Uh, so glued all the tr the feet onto the tree and then did the scariest thing. Shake test. Oh. So after letting the super glue and yeah. a little bit of uh, liquid green stuff, because um, yeah. that bonds with the super glue, and makes a really strong bond. Nice. Uh, and basically put that uh, together, gave it a shake, actually knocked it over <laughs> accidentally. Whoa! Was uh, this before or after painting? By the way, this is before, before painting. Before okay. painting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and then the painting side. So that was the the hardest one, and the other yeah. ones just were really easy because. The Mirkwood spiders are fine cast. Mm. Yep. So you can move their legs oh, quite a lot. Yeah, so positioning two to four and then having some of them like they're coming out and attacking you mm. um, was really helpful. And putting them into different positions. So there's one that's almost vertic uh, vertical yep, yep. going down and then other ones that were kind of just scurrying. Yeah. And having uh, a few just on very various parts of Age of Sigma um, scatter terrain. Yeah. Um, and then at hatching trees so they're on awkward angles and stuff to make them look skittery, essentially. I guess that would be the word. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm glad you pointed that out because that's actually my favourite part of your list was you had a couple on the ground, had a couple in different parts of the tree, somewhere in the branches, somewhere like halfway. And I just thought that was really cool. It, it adds so much... Dynamicness. That's not a Dynamism. word. Dynamism. Dynamism. Yeah. So it's the, the rule of having. So if you have a big monster or you have various different things, you want to have different height, heights mm. yep. to have it so you can see the whole army from one angle, ah, essentially. Very um, good. And then the other, more logical and you know makes more sense kind of point is that the ones in the trees could be right next to the ones that were on the various different smaller parts because they're low enough to yep. go right next to them. So yep. I'm not blocking them and those tree branches are bigger than the 60 mil base, so yeah. they can get in the way. This is really cool. Well. I think that's pretty important to, to point out. Like, you've factored in, um, like, photogenicness, and you factored in gameplay to where you position the spiders. Well, yeah, it, because it became an army that I wanted to play, yeah. I yeah. made sure that... Also, I thought that maybe 16 trees on the board would look a bit <laughs> mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I tried to differentiate that, and then the giant spiders are just on... Um, the same kind of thing. So yeah. various bits of uh, rubble from Age of Sigma that I cut up into bits. Uh, and then it was just a really simple process to paint. Like I'm talking really simple. Uh, so I sprayed all the models with uh, Wraithbone spray, which is the contrast spray. Yep, uh, over the top. Sorry, before I did that, let's get back to <laughs> what I actually did. Uh, I did Xandry dust first spray. And then I sprayed Xenothal, yep. Wraithbone, right, focusing yep. mo mostly on the spider. So Xenothal is from a basically 45 degree angle, hitting all the parts. Uh, from the top, so it's providing a free light source essentially. Yep, cool. uh, then I went about painting the trees, and they were really basic. They were painted with wildwood, 
No, I love that uh, one. I absolutely love so it. Um, the trick with terrain is that, because they are literally terrain on the, the, the basis, mm. is it's the backdrop. So really quick and simple, Wildwood, contrast paint over them pretty heavily, dry brushing with a green. Uh, I think it was green, yeah. uh, just yeah. a green straight yeah. up the top, nothing else. Yeah, cool. That was it. Um, then painted the rocks with Mechanicus standard grey, uh, and then I put the texture on the base, uh, which was just still in Battlemire. Uh, after that, washed the, everything uh, on the bases, and then dry brushed the rocks with uh, Administratum grey. Yep. Dry brushed the ground uh, with Yushapti bone, grass tufts. Bang, bang, bang. And then I went on to the spiders, which was really easy too. It was literally just Agros Dunes contrast paint. And then I got, as I said, it's the easiest army ever. Hell yeah. Uh, and it came out pretty good. Uh, I yeah, think, exceptionally yeah. well. It came so out considering how much I did. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the trees, but yeah. Uh, the uh, Agros Dunes and then it, all the parts where the legs, so there's like a little part where all the legs move and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I put a darker brown, which I think was Dondia, not Dondia, um, another contrast brown, which I've forgotten the name. Uh, and then after that, just gave him a pretty quick dry brush. Uh, of a flayed one flesh, uh, which was a nice kind of like extra to make him not uh, too white and yeah. Uh, yeah. not uh, would go in w with both. Uh, and then after that, it was literally paint the eyes, which was blood for the blood god. Hell yeah! And awesome. Oh, that would make it glossy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did the th blood for the blood god after I um, put some uh, minotron varnish, which is a satin varnish. Okay. Uh, so that doesn't come out glossy but it doesn't come out matte yeah, yeah. and so it made the spiders still have that kind of pop tool yeah. uh and then that that the reason you do that is because when you're using contrast paints you can rub it off like it's one layer of paint yeah. over undercoat so you can rub it off if you're playing games so sprayed all that did the eyes after because the blood for the blood god stays wet so i wanted that glossy mm -hmm. kind of look mm -hmm. and then i noticed that some of them needed another layer of that uh, just went over the top of that and yep. then picked out a couple of skulls on the bases that I forgot existed <laughs> and just uh, grass tufts. So just the dark grass tufts um, that are Valdia Velt, I think they're called. Um, okay, cool. From Games Workshop. Yep. They're a nice, rich uh, green, similar to, I guess, Caliban green uh, for Citadel paints, mm. yeah. Uh, which are, yeah, really nice. I tried uh, with a more light kind of one, yeah. but they were too similar to the spider's skin tone. And so True, they detracted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all, all about focus. So the whole thing was all uh, cool colors for the tree, apart from the green high, like dry brush highlight. Uh, to you know, and that's kind of a cool color as well, obviously. But it was more yep. a brighter green. Yep. Uh, and then the actual spiders, it's red, and then the skin tone is more of like a, a creamy or like a, a light kind of um, bone almost color mm. as well. So the reason I did that is because a big ass tree on a base, you want it, the model. Actually, stand out, yeah. and that's the point yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other really handy thing that happened is that all the trees that I've been talking about have a rock on the base, which is roughly what the height of a spider would be. So, when you're playing a game, the spiders are well, sometimes four like three inches to four <laughs> inches yeah, in the yeah. air. And so, if you're getting like shot at and stuff, if you're hiding behind a wall, you can see the whole spider, but when you're playing in game yeah. terms, yeah. people don't want to take advantage and yeah. go modeling for it. Like, 
modeling for disadvantage. Here. Yeah, modeling yeah. for disadvantage here, and I think rule of cool trumps that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so um, so that that's the whole point. And so anyone who goes, oh, where do I shoot? And I said this rock. Yeah. If you can see that rock, you can shoot. And yeah. that was that's cool. The perfect accident, essentially. Yeah. It just worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really sweet. I like that you pointed out, um, like things like focus and stuff, right? Because that's pretty important with with what you've done here. So I think. That's like a good thing to, to key in on for, for the listeners here. Yeah, I, the other thing is, you know, the bases, whilst the bases are sitting in the backdrop, what they're actually doing is making each model unique, which I think is quite cool as well. So, like, whilst you haven't necessarily had, to, like, you've been able to repose legs and whatever, but because the bases are so different, you don't view them as a single model that's been repeated again Very and true. again. So, it kind of, it, it satisfies my need for every model to be unique as well so the other thing i did too is that the the bases sorry the trees actually usually slot into a base of a wood that's yeah. an area piece yeah. yeah and so what i did on a few of them was i cut them um down a little bit so they're flatter on the base or on a slight angle which Ooh. you can't really tell from looking at them all at once but because they're slightly lower it creates that i didn't want it to just look like a copy paste yeah. and hence why the fact that some of them are on that Sigma pieces of terrain yep. because otherwise it would just look silly. No, yeah. I, I'm yeah. glad you pointed that yeah. out because I did notice when you had them sort of set up that there's this like arc in the trees. Mm. And so I, I was like, they are different sizes, but I don't know how. Yeah. And so that's really cool. Yeah, and some of the trees, I stole some of the branches to put on the, the bases that were more on the ground because um. the spiders, because of how their legs work, you can't have their bodies touching anything because it looks really weird, like they're yeah, hugging yeah, it. Yeah. So I needed to grab branches and stick them onto the bases hanging off so they could actually have two points of contact. Yeah. Otherwise, it just looks silly, to, be, to yeah. be perfectly honest. And that actually helped me put spiders more vertical and in different positions because I had to work with what I had because I was never getting any more of these trees because people sell them for absurd amounts of money. Yeah, <laughs> and they're, they're out of production, right? Because They're, uh, they're out old. of production, yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're very old. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to win about 10 or 15 of them from the Melbourne store when they ran a Giffle many, many years ago. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. And I already owned about two or three yeah. sets worth as yeah. well. So I lost some along the way and broke them <laughs> as well. So yeah, that's... Uh, how the army kind of came into be and stuff. So yeah, an army that started as a terrain project, uh, an expensive terrain project, <laughs> as you can imagine, but a one that was going to be perfect for whenever I play any of the missions uh, from The Hobbit through yeah. Mirkwood and stuff with the, the dwarves, uh, Dwarven Party as well. And then that turned into an army, which is, uh, I think, one of the coolest ways to start an army now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. the best way to start an army. Yeah. And I was going to say, because now you've got like 20 spiders and trees, you could do a whole board of that terrain type and like you could do five different like spider forests that's sick mm. yeah i wanted to um next narrative tournament ask if i could replace any of the trees Ooh. on the board that can come out yes. with the spiders if i'm not taking that army yeah, yeah, and yeah. go these are spiders if you go anywhere near them there's a chance yes. that they come and attack you i think that's so as cool well. yes. or just has shoot and paralyzes it like both <laughs> armies or something yeah, yeah, yeah. It's neutral spiders yeah. just yeah. so you have an, a neutral threat on the board oh, um, that's so, so good oh, that's, yeah. and make yeah, this happen yeah. if you ever want to play a game where we do that <laughs> yes. and they're part of the terrain <laughs> yes. i've got enough to do it pretty easily because i've got you know quite a few so and i can make more so the army's only 500 points currently but i'm going to put it up to 650 to 700 Another seven up spiders. That sounds wow. pretty good to me. Amazing. Yeah, so I've got a whole bunch of giant spiders to add because the board size, usually people still play on four by fours. Mm. So I've got uh, about 
eight or ten giant spiders to chuck in the list and maybe a couple more Merkwood because they're just the dream. They're, they're very the fun. Best, yeah, um, yeah. I did play them in the last potty and I think they, they were my performers. They were really, really cool. Yeah. They were really good fun. Um, brilliant. Well, it was so good to talk to you and see you again, Matt. Um, well hey, done. Too, <laughs> yeah. Well done again in the win. Thank you very much. And well done on the hobby hero of legend. Fantastic. And, and nice to meet you, man. It's really, yeah. I really appreciate the award and uh, I'm very humbled by getting it because I was not expecting any of this. So it was really cool to go as well yeah. as I did and have a great time too and meet some really fun people that I'm hoping to play again a lot as well. Oh, yeah. So when I'm in Geelong next, I'll have to throw down and play some games at uh, wherever you guys play. Yep, yeah. super keen. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. No Thank worries. you. Thank you. Well, dear listener, that was uh, terrific to, to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's good to hear that we're not uh, alone in how insane we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of when you live inside the echo chamber of the podcast room inside yeah, the two yeah. towers. Sometimes you think you're all alone, but then you go out there and you see these hobby heroes, um, and it's so awesome to um, be able to uh, spend that amount of time talking about it too. Mm, like mm. we we kind of had to cut it short. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're getting kicked out of the venue. We were, we were, we were. Um, and we wanted to also um, interview David Leonard. Um, so apologies, David. Um, we didn't get to, to talk yeah, to yeah. you on the day. Um, but we kind of got onto a roll <laughs> with Matt. And and you don't want to let that, you don't want to stop that. No, Just let that's that right. hold a roll. Yeah, that's yeah. it, that's it. And and it was it was lovely to to um, to hear the whole, the process and, and how much, like he went into a great amount of detail. We'll make sure that we've got some great photos. Like Matt um, uh, has got great photos of the day as well, um, which he's going to share with us as well. I Brilliant, think. yeah. Um, so awesome uh awesome to to give a prize like that to a deserving winner um yeah yeah. i think that about wraps it up yeah that covers it so you know cool tournament and and terrific hobby hero legend terrific hobby hero of legend uh the next episode dear listener might be a little bit of a different one Mm, are we going a bit more competitive could be could Mm. be but are we going more competitive Read into that what you will, a dear listener. Uh, But until next we are together, have fun hobbying. Have fun gaming. See See you later. later.